Um, one of my members, I was telling him about, I'm from the country, y'all. Okay. So, but, um, was telling him that my mom is fighting with a groundhog in her yard and I want to shoot it. And they're like, oh, well, be careful when you shoot it. Can, you know, groundhogs are good eating. And I was like, I just knew <laughs> that somehow this conversation was going to like eat a groundhog. And so they're like, oh yeah, no, nah, it's real good. Like they're like groundhogs are vegan. So like they just munch around and eat all that good stuff. And he was like, you know, when you when you get it, you gotta make sure you don't 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 rupture the sacks, you know. And I'm just envisioning it and it's oh. so gross. We are back with another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. I'm Jeremiah. And as we speak, breaking report. Uh, no, I was, I was, um, we'll get into the, the backstory of it. The energy just went right off a cliff right I there. I know, I, I really think <laughs> it. Okay, as we speak, uh, Trump's Mara Largo location, uh, private residence, business whatever it is he's got a golf course and shit but it's getting uh it got raided by the fbi so that's really cool but i don't know a lot about it and i probably won't until later because i'll just read the cliff notes like a good american but uh i was uh privileged enough to see the newsmax take on this situation and it was very newsmaxy <laughs> i'm gonna give you guys one guess you get one guess each as to what they what about it towards you know the classic what about isms oh right. they're oh they're gonna raid his okay well what about what do you guys think it is uh, epstein's island it's a good one. Oh, that yeah. is a good one let's let's oh, uh man. it's newsmax so we gotta like we gotta own the libs all right right <laughs> i i hate to guess this one but is it is it aoc's hillary? 98 civic <laughs> I, I was gonna guess is it is it hillary did they bring up hillary oh that's also hillary's a classic email? no oh, okay uh, we're gonna keep this going more than one okay. guess i i know you guys can get it because okay. it's it's as i would say it's it's like right behind okay hunter biden's house yes hunter biden's laptop <laughs> oh they, wait they asked you if the fbi is gonna raid the well, laptop they should no no uh, they should raid his house. Uh, they, okay. they immediately went to, okay, well, Hunter Biden, they referenced a phone call of of Joe Biden calling Hunter Biden saying, I saw the New York Times report or article that was written earlier. Uh, everything's going to be okay. And they were like, if that's not, if that's not enough to raid his house, I don't know what is. So hmm. don't we know everything there is to know about yeah. Hunter Biden? Like he's yes. a piece of garbage. He's using his dad's name to get a bunch of positions on different boards and things like he's literally just throwing around American clout to milk money out of corporations overseas. And he likes to bang hookers and smoke crack. Like what else is there to know? Nothing else to know. Sucks. Nobody's defending Hunter Biden. He sucks. The only one who sucks more than Hunter Biden are the people that keep hiring him. Like, don't you guys know by now? (laughs) (laughs) Burisma, you suck. (laughs) <laughs> i hope you catch a scud i mean look i believe in employment for people but we know he'll be okay and maybe stop giving him jobs 
hoping that you'll get something out of it because you're probably we, only going to get a scandal. He's just going to use your lobbying money to buy more drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else is there? He will, he will clog the executive way. toilet and uh, <laughs> yeah, misuse the company credit card yeah. for sure. <laughs> although, Dude. although I feel like every kid who maybe doesn't have their life all figured out yet does have a perfect opening to be like, look, mom and dad, like, the president says he's still proud of his son, the 50 something year old yeah. crack smoking hooker banging <laughs> lobbyist. Like you guys can't be proud. Like, you know, all right, I dropped out of high school, whatever. Like it could be worse. All and I'm saying like, is Joe's still proud. They're like, he's got a reason to keep him around. I think Hunter's the only one with a lower approval rating than Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, all these parents are like, listen, son, you make a good point, but the only difference is you're gay. <laughs> Yes. So, <laughs> is there uh, an MP5 pointed at Trump's head right now? Like, I, is that what's going on, or what? Is that a gun? I know that's a gun only because of I think Perfect Dark for Nintendo 64. Maybe. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a classic gun. video game gun. Is there it's an MP5 gun. in that? Casey, Casey, have you ever shot an MP5? No. Oh man, when you slap the like the uh, <laughs> charging handle, when you slap the charging handle down, it makes the most satisfying. Like you feel like you're in SWAT every single time. <laughs> I'm getting a little chub just hearing about <laughs> yeah. it. I don't like the way like, this conversation is going. <laughs> I didn't shoot a full auto one, Sam. It was a semi-auto nine millimeter. I hope your was clip normal. was limited to at least 10 rounds. Casey, do you most. think he said clip just to tick us off or does he genuinely not know? Cause <laughs> <laughs> About to get really awful gun nerd. Oh, see, it's I don't know what's worse. Uh me not actually knowing or you having a problem with me not knowing. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's Dude, fair. Gun nerds are the worst. <laughs> they are. They are. Oh, but what is the actual uh, now you've piqued my curiosity? Because uh, uh so uh, uh, dumping clips, a, a dog. Clip. I love dumping clips. <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh a clip <laughs> technically it refers to the older style, like a Mosin Nagant or something. Okay. English. Uh, you know, let's nice. say a World War One or World War Two gun. Okay. One of the guns where you could see all of the bullets together, like in a little bundle, and had a okay. little metal clip over it, and you shoved it down into the gun. And then when you were you emptied it, you ever play Medal of Honor and you empty out your M1 Garand, and then it goes ching at the end, and something flies. Oh out yeah, the top. yeah, yeah. That that's the clip. A magazine's okay. like a little metal or plastic box with a spring in it that holds a bunch of ammo. Right. Magazine, the bullets are enclosed inside it. A clip is literally a metal clip that just goes around the bullets to, so you can shove them into the gun. Almost so, like, I don't do any modern guns even use clips, Casey, or is that just an old thing? I don't know. I know we're hemorrhaging listeners right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. A magazine is something like good housekeeping or Reader's Digest. Uh, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. It was a bundle of paper that you read at the dentist, even though you didn't really, you weren't interested in it at all. Do you guys subscribe to any magazines? Do you guys subscribe uh, to magazines? Uh, yeah, my kids get highlights, no. so I subscribe to that. Oh, I love going on discountmags.com and seeing what like a cheap, you know, get a $3 one year subscription to something and just see if it's any good. I have like a stack of like 35 magazines in my living room. <laughs> That's exactly why I don't want it. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't get know. the Kansas State Outdoors magazine that you like. You can choose to pay like an extra fifteen bucks a year towards their conservation thing, and they send you a magazine like once a quarter. What What but, could they possibly have to talk about in the canvas? Like, oh, it's still a prairie. Like, have you checked the water? There's fish in there. <laughs> Do they have like a, a stats Basically on how many it. tornadoes have come through lately? Is that a thing or <laughs> one for sure? I can confirm that. <laughs> 
So I I know it's, I we've shifted away from the original topic, but that's okay. I yeah, it's it's clear uh, that me and you guys have a different stance on guns and uh, probably I think there's a lot more overlap than there than with most people who might be on different sides of the aisle there. But the one thing's for sure is I will be visiting KC in about a week and a half. And I definitely plan on shooting some guns while I'm out there, despite my feelings about them and how they contribute to society and probably in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sure, sure. Anyway. They do, but they're fun. But Sam, <laughs> but you're going to visit Casey. His guns aren't contributing anything bad. And they he aren't. just wants to shoot paint cans in the yard. They, they aren't until I get shot <laughs> exactly. in like a butthole or something like that. We'll see what happens. I maybe promise we'll, not to shoot you in the butthole. We, maybe we should do you know a, what I will do? live video of me learning how to shoot something that I probably shouldn't be shooting. Yeah, absolutely. Here's here's what I will do. I will. I'll do it right now. I'll get in the ring with you, and I will break your jaw. I will knock your teeth out. I will break your nose, and I will break your neck. Oh, man, that gravel right at the end there. Oh. drops his voice yeah. down. I love that, that vocal man, fry. He's got I mean, some he, solid vocal fry. Vocal fry. Like yeah, he's, he's got the radio voice right there. You can never take that away from him. Man's got style. Are we pivoted into that story? Yeah, we're pivoting. Well, what's, what's, what's happening with the Trump thing? I don't know anything about oh, it. Oh, I don't know. I just It's all related to his... Um, the January 6th probe or what? Yeah. I don't remember if it's that because he was also under investigation for... like uh, Had to do with like the way he handled classified presidential documents. It's technically like, about that. I'm reading yeah. a new story now. Yeah. He tried to flush a bunch of them and shit like that. He like, <laughs> which you're not supposed to do for yeah. whatever reason. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and those documents, that's the one flushing. thing him and Hunter Biden have in common actually is flushing <laughs> shit down the toilet when the FBI raids your house. <laughs> you know, you know how like presidents for the past, like 60 years have carried, like they've had somebody with them that carries around the nuclear football. It's like the little like launch codes box. I think yeah. Trump probably just has like all of his secret service wear a backpack with a paper shredder. Once in a while there's a false alarm and they just like start shredding like Domino's menus or something. <laughs> He's like now, a toddler that just discovered invisible ink and he writes all of his documents in that. <laughs> yeah. He he dictates them to someone else. Let's not pretend like he he can write. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so officially it's just about the handling of classified documents, but the classified documents are supposedly related to January 6th. So it kind of comes full circle. Okay. I should have known. Which, well, I mean, if it was, if he was flushing documents related to something else, that's also interesting. I'm interested yeah, in both. Be. That's both right. Newsworthy. I do remember them talking about that in relation to January 6th. Now it's hard to remember because so much has happened in the past year and you know, I don't know. The whole January 6th thing is weird because fuck him in the way that he handled it. But it just feels like uh, I can't imagine a world in which no matter what they find and how this plays out, it's, it's truly hard to imagine a world in which a former president actually gets charged with something. Does anyone feel differently? Yeah, probably so yeah. not happen. I mean, Watergate would just was like, don't do that anymore. You're like, they took his job. <laughs> that no, he like, resigned. You really, directly connect Nixon to that in a way that you could. I mean, that would draw criminal charges. Yeah, you know? it's just all of that shit's tough. I mean, if the president of the fucking United States, good luck finding a way to draw a direct. Their whole, they're so insulated. Isn't that the point? Like, right? There's, there's never going to be probable. Well, 
I guess we shouldn't put it past him. There likely is not going to be a text message or a phone call of him saying like, beat down the barricades, take the Capitol. Like, yeah, he could say a whole lot of things circumstantial around that. But yeah, there's probably not going to be a smoking gun. Now, if anyone you know why he's not going to get charged, you want to know why he's not going to get charged? Here we because go. We are all ruled by little chicken neck Nelly. <laughs> chicken neck Nelly. That's why. Yeah. Like it's getting hot in here, Nelly. Yeah, maybe so. No. I can't. I didn't. I didn't load the transcripts or the translations. So <laughs> no. If anyone does actually have a smoking gun, it's Trump. I don't. He he doesn't strike me as a guy that's. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that because he he comes off as really dumb. But he has yet to be indicted on any criminal charges for being a shit fucking businessman and an unethical monster for the past fifty years. So I don't know. He's had plenty of businesses go bankrupt and be sued and everything, but that's, I mean, he's been sued so many times, but that's part of the beauty of like setting up corporations and things. Yes. Is you can just dust don't your hands it. and walk away. So don't do a, uh, a sole, sole proprietorship. proprietorship. Yep. <laughs> You're going to fuck people over. What do you want to do? Take responsibility. Get out now, of here. Let's do another pivot. Speaking of text messages and potential smoking guns, Alex Jones the, is, I got the article right here. The best the fucking thing that happened this week. Too funny. I hope people oh, have gone out of their way to watch this hearing because it's, it's, it, brutal. He, he, it, it's, it's like watching a cartoon. He's not a real, he's not real. Everything about him is just an animated over the top character. And I, I can't tell if he does, if he buys into his like, this worldview that he's crafted or if he's like intentionally trying to create this frenzy uh i can't yeah i don't know either way i mean you just want to tell what a liar you are just the outrageousness of an anti-american piece of crap like you excuse me excuse me (laughs) i no. so i i think he's (laughs) kind of i don't know jump the shark isn't the right term i think he believes himself at this point like he knows he's a liar about a lot of things, but most people when they're in court know to shut up and he can't help himself. He's been doing it for so yeah. long that like all he knows is to fire back at the judge and fire back at the other lawyers and stuff. Like even you pick the worst other journalist or news host, you know, who's had to go to court for any reason. And they know to sit there and shut up and let their lawyer be like, this is just entertainment. No one would take this seriously. And they're like, that's correct. Yeah. That's well, correct. look what happened when, when he let his lawyers try to take care of things. Well, he's like, like ninth lawyer. Yeah. Let's set the, uh, for anyone who's not paying <laughs> yeah. attention to this story. Uh, basically he was already, Alex Jones had already been found. So, okay. This is a, He's in court again and he's on trial for defamation. Yes. Right. Because he, at the time of Sandy hook and in the, like, I don't know how long he stuck to the story. If it was years, I know he's been off of it for a long time, but he kind of like perpetuated the, the idea that the Sandy hook thing was, was a false flag, that it was fake, that the people were crisis actors and that it was all a big ruse to like, take away your guns And as a result, you know, I mean, he's got a big audience. And at that time, I mean, it was probably even bigger than it is now. Uh, A small percentage of those people could not handle that information. And (laughs) they they started to harass the victims of the shooting and and the, the parents of the kids who were killed. And I mean, literally just like made life a living hell for them. Yeah, so, like death threats. Some of them had 
some of them had their house, like people shot at their house for like with some of these families. Yeah. I heard one of the families, the the father killed himself. Oh my God. It's, yeah. you know, and it's like, you're, you're hearing all sorts of like things right now because it's, it's, but, but he lost it was that. bad for them. This, this, why he's in court right now is it's strictly to decide how much money he owes. Well, yes, but but I want to talk about the thing that he lost. He lost the defamation trial by default judgment because him and his lawyers, after he replaced multiple sets of them, uh, they just made a mockery out of the legal process. They declined to participate in discovery, like not showing up, not being prepared, (laughs) not turning over things when they were supposed to. And of course, he's on his show lying to all of his listeners about like, we did everything they asked for. We gave him more than anyone else would, you know, just doing the like exaggerating everything to make it sound like he's right. the perfect person. He's being discriminated against. But the judge's statement was something to the effect of like, no one's ever been this bad. Like we've done everything. <laughs> we've tried everything. We've given you every possible chance. No one gets this many chances. Like you're losing the court case because you've declined to participate in the legal system. And yeah. so uh, you declining to participate does not mean the rest of us have to. So you're guilty. And now the second trial is, yeah, for damages. Their, right. their legal strategy play. was a little like a monkey doing, you know what, with a football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it's uh, the soundboard. Yeah, I we need to use this more. I'm a huge fan of it. Well, and, and like. I mean, it gets worse than that. When they were doing discovery, um, you know, when they were sending a bunch of files over, they sent child porn in some of them. When oh, what the on. Oh, what? So you guys weren't aware of that? Nope. No. <laughs> you pig. <Okay. laughs> uh, reading, reading from the article, uh, lawyers representing the families. This is the ones where he's been ordered to pay $4.1 million in compensatory damages. Um, lawyers representing the family said that files they were sent by the InfoWars founder uh, as part of the discovery process contained child pornography. The images were found in electronic documents requested during a hearing back in April. Um, the lawyer representing the families alerted the FBI, who is looking into the emails. Uh, so the FBI advised counsel that its review located numerous additional illegal images, which had apparently been sent to an InfoWars email address. So... Uh, Jones's lawyer at the time, Norm Pattis, said that the FBI cleared Jones after an inquiry found there was no suggestion that anyone here wanted the material, looked at it, or even knew about it. It said apparently it was in emails that Jones never opened. So that's their argument, at least, is Mm. people emailed child porn to him, and they did such a bad job of vetting the things they were turning over (laughs) as part of discovery that they just forwarded it along. Maybe that's why they chose not to participate in the rest of it is they're like, oh, um, yeah, we don't know what's in those. Let's not. Let's just let's just take one on the chin. Right. So now (laughs) let's just, you know, roll up the sleeve, have the convulsion and hail Satan. (laughs) Man, how many more of those are there, Casey? Oh, there's so many. So (laughs) so if if you've ever if you want to hear a great podcast about it, I feel like we've probably promoted on here before but um uh knowledge fight is a podcast where two guys like do play by play uh and they fact check various episodes of the alex jones show and it's at times like really entertaining and at times extremely depressing and at other times it'll prep you for the arguments that you're about to hear by your family members on facebook about it <laughs> uh but they've had his uh the attorney for some of the sets of parents mark bankston has been on there before 
to talk about the parts of the case that he's allowed to talk about. So if you're ever interested in like hearing more about how this whole trial's gone, those are very fascinating episodes and you should look them up. But I've got the article here that describes what happened this week. Do you guys want me to read through it? Oh, yes. Yeah. This was yeah. my favorite. I've watched a bunch of videos on it. Do okay. we have on your uh, on your you know, we don't have on a sound clip, Casey, what the uh, judge said to him. <laughs> no, no. But I, I haven't. We that have some stuff we can read to it. Fantastic. <laughs> so this was when uh, this was during a part of cross-examination where Mark Bankston lawyer for the families they were trying to determine how much money does jones have because that's what this trial is for right now it's just how much money should he pay right so they're trying to determine how much money does he have but he's been making the argument to his listeners on air that he's broke and they're just barely above water and yada 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 and so uh he got deplatformed yeah and mark bankston says well you're lying and of course alex jones gets flustered but he's like do you want to know how i know you're lying uh so Plaintiff's attorney, Mark Bankston, informed Jones that 12 days ago, Jones's attorneys accidentally sent him, Mark Bankston, an entire digital copy of Jones's cell phone, which they <laughs> failed to declare as privileged. Also, he immediately wrote them back being like, hey, what's the deal? Because you can apparently walk back something during the discovery process if you accidentally give them files you're not supposed to. And you can go, wait a second, that's privilege. And then everyone just has to pretend like it doesn't exist so that they might know you're lying. But if it's not part of evidence, yeah. which shows you that it had the process has more integrity than you might think. Right. That right. Was, but I was they didn't respond to, to his emails. Yeah. They didn't respond like the lawyer isn't responding to the to the the plaintiff's lawyer for ten days. Like he just misses that email. That's should, a terrible lawyer. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I would I be can't checking be their bank lawyer. account. I would absolutely <laughs> be checking their bank accounts sometime within the next six months to see. Oh if yeah, that, that, there is the the conspiracy going around the internet that like maybe this lawyer decided as like number nine in a row. They're like, look, I'm not going to win this case. Like, I might be able yeah. to be a hero. Like, Dude, it's imagine possible. that's or, coming for sure. Or, or imagine being so bad at your job that the easiest explanation is that you it's a conspiracy theory <laughs> yeah that's true but uh so the banks says this is how i know you lied to me and then shows him like i have a whole copy of your phone which we went through the proper process to be like hi did you mean to send us the phone and they never got back to us so guess what it's part of evidence now i can ask you any questions about the stuff in the phone and then he said do you know what perjury is yeah. <laughs> and jones's face just <laughs> contorts if you've been looking at all the memes that sam's been posting on the growing up christian instagram you'll see some very quality meme work of alex jones's face when he realizes like that's the oh this might be like multiple sentences like this this might have some legs <laughs> yeah that's not oh, oh maybe i, I should have been they so <laughs> jones had previously uh told the jury that he's broke and bankrupt told the jury like this isn't just him talking on his show going going back to perjury uh free speech systems recently filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy protection which is not the same things as jones personally being broke or bankrupt bankston told jones the data from the phone showed that infowars was making between one hundred thousand to two hundred thousand dollars a day in 2018 even after he was deplatformed from major social media sites and occasionally made up to eight hundred thousand dollars yeah per day uh <laughs> it's wild so at the, at the close of his cross-examination with a flourish mark held up a single dollar bill the amount of money jones's attorneys have argued he should pay in damages and then jones again he can't help himself fires back what does the new york times pay for lying about wmds oh my god dude he what that's what's like he has he's not been able to shut the fuck up this entire time there's this there's this bit of him uh seemingly chewing gum and the judge is like 
you need to spit that out. You cannot be chewing gum in the courtroom. And he's like, he's like, it's not gum. It's uh, I had a tooth removed and uh, it's a gauze in the back of my mouth. And it, it feels better when I chew on it on the hole in the, on the hole in my gums. And she's like, so you're, you're chewing on gauze because yeah, I'll, do you want to see it? I'm gonna, he starts walking up, like opening his mouth. She's like, I don't need to see it. No, I'm just asking you to stop, stop, stop doing this. Like I didn't ask to see it. I asked you if you were chewing gum. She's like, I don't, she's like absolutely like the most composed I could imagine somebody being while talking to him. And, and then you can see later him do this kind of like cocks his head to the side, does this, I'm wiping my mouth look and like pops a piece of gum into his mouth. It's, it's like, <laughs> these were big league chew. <laughs> he's just, the guy is out of his dude, he's, fucking he's off gourd. the hinges. Yeah. And you just want to be like, where is his legal team in all of this? But I know there's a demon in there (laughs) running the show. (laughs) That's that's obviously what's happening. And his base is going to be riled up because this is another conspiracy. That's what's so cool about him having all this shit happen to him is just like it's just such a pile on like he's wrong at every turn. He constantly lies and perjures himself. And the explanation is going to be it's a setup. And his base is going to fucking eat it up. Even just on like the judgment stuff, like, you know, like Jeremiah was saying, like he got found guilty of defamation. This is all about what his his penalties are going to be. You know, how much does he owe the family in restitution and what the punitive like fees and stuff are going to be. And uh, he's on the air talking about how like, dead set the judge is against him and how it's all a setup and he's like you know for for two weeks she's been telling the jury that i'm guilty she won't even let me tell them that i'm innocent and it's like what well, you were found guilty you were found <laughs> yeah. guilty by default bud you're I mean, it's like, not up for debate at this point there's no place for you to discuss whether or not you did the things that we that's over that's over. That's done. Now we're going to see how much money you have, and we're going to hold you upside down by your ankles and just shake the pennies <laughs> out of your pockets. But the, the funny things that he did, like he had so many missteps during this that are hilarious. And, he, and it's just, a, it's so clear that like, I think to me, to me, what it looks like is like, he's a slave to the persona that he's built for himself. And to the to the adoration of the audience, he prioritized syndrome to his own fucking false narrative. Well, he, he he prioritizes that above all else. Like he's literally acting against his own best interest. Like even the most simple ways, he's acting against his own best interest to like keep the ruse going with his audience. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at one point this week, he posted a picture. Well, the Infowars posted a a photo of the judge with fire yes. behind her he said uh you know he's he's like on air talking about the judge and he's like you know before this she was involved with cps which you know uh i don't have to tell you guys i mean they've been involved in in child pornography and child trafficking and stuff like like you know like indirectly accused her of being a pedophile and a child trafficker he he like literally the like one of the days when he was sentenced on uh what was it the uh the restitution payments, the day that he was sentenced on that, you know, they're reading like, I don't know if it's victim impact statements or whatever they're, they're called, but he skips out on one of the fathers of the victims, giving his testimony about how it all affected him and stuff like that to do his show while he's on the show. 
he's talking about how the father is slow and how he's probably autistic. And then literally like he, he cannot turn it off. He cannot just be quiet. He can't talk about something else. Like there's literal mental illness here that has like total control of him. He's been able to channel it into, uh, you know, a, a marketable company and skill and, and, and like kind of a mini empire for himself, but like, he's not in control of it anymore. It's it's got total control of him. Well, Casey, he's he's turning a leaf as he told the jury, uh, quote, I really do want to try to change and be a more positive force when it comes to things like mass shootings. Oh, I mean, well, credit will credit still. <laughs> he wants to be a positive force for good when it comes to mass shootings. Let's just what? have a big round of booze for Alex Jones. There we go. <laughs> Let's do that. Oh, my gosh. So plug for knowledge fight. Again, it's kind of depressing some of the time, and it's kind of infuriating, but it also can be really entertaining. And it'll be fun to see the lengths that Alex will go to uh, to to spin this. I think he'll go pretty far. I will go to hell! And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to be fun to see. I can't wait to see uh, how this turns into a creative uh, narrative, you know? Sam, I think you might be muted. Are you? Yeah. I No, I had to mute. I had... Uh... Okay. Some water running through my pipes. <laughs> that age-old problem down here in the back corner of my basement, <laughs> where I've been relegated to to podcast. I'm an adult. I own my own goddamn house. You okay. pig. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for a drop. Needed the drop. <laughs> Go to the basement. You pig. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's flowing again. It's flowing again. Not quite so loud this time. I don't, you know you what's know, crazy I, is. I don't have a way to squeeze this one in, but since we're talking about plumbing. When it comes to bathing and, you know, I want to bathe in 500 turds or 200. (laughs) Which one would you prefer? Doesn't matter at that point. You know, the more the merrier, I guess. Uh, I did pull up the YouTube clip of the judge ripping into him a little bit. I don't know if it'll play good through my microphone, if it's worth giving it a shot. Let's try it. Why not? It's very funny the way that she responds to him. If it doesn't work, we'll just clip it out. That is not true. You may not say it again. You may not tell this jury that you are bankrupt. That is also not true. You may have filed for bankruptcy. I don't know that, but I've heard that. It doesn't put that doesn't make a person or a company bankrupt. You're already under oath to tell the truth. You've already violated that oath twice today in just those two examples. It seems absurd to instruct you again that you must tell the truth while you testify. Yet here I am. You must tell the truth while you testify. This is not your show. (laughs) You need to slow down. I just want to get to her. I want to get to his response. To her because it's too good. Further the message you're wanting to further. And instead, only answer the specific and exact question you have been asked. No asides. The comments about discovery, the comments about the larynx, have sex with me. the comments about bankruptcy, <laughs> none of those were responsive to questions. They were just you abusing my tolerance. And making a size to the jury improperly, and in these two cases, untruthfully. Do you understand what I have said? 
Yes or no? Do you understand what I have said? Yes, I believe what I said was true. So yes, you believe everything you say is true, but it isn't. Your beliefs do not make something true. That is, that is what we're doing here. Just because you claim to think something is true does not make it true. It does not protect you. It is not allowed. You are under oath. That means things must actually be true when you say them. Don't talk. Don't talk. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's it. That is, I, I, it took us oh a while to get this, so I do apologize. But I think but, for on behalf of every judge, like in the country, that's like one of those judge moments you dream about. Like that's an Aaron Sorkin yes. written judge moment. Like, <laughs> oh my god, it's like it. It doesn't matter if you. It's just like it doesn't matter if you think what you're saying is true. That's why we're here. It's like that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing. It does. And her point about it, she's like, it doesn't protect you. It's like people. And that's I think that's the best point that she made during that, because I feel like where we're at now is everyone goes. But I, that's just what I believe, as though that's an excuse and that that somehow indemnifies you from any consequences for poor belief. And it's like, I don't. I, I don't necessarily think that you, of course you can think the wrong things about a lot of things, but when it gets to this point, when it gets to Alex Jones level shit, it's just like, sorry, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how true you think what you're saying is when you're saying the opposite of what you texted somebody two weeks ago on the stand. Like that's not a defense. It's just not a defense in the legal system. Just have to remember though, that he's obviously <laughs> autistic or something. I feel sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> just saying my good old alex uh oh my yeah God. he's having a bad week so you know keep him <laughs> so in your prayers we're having a good week <laughs> <laughs> yep yep pretty accurate <laughs> well our guest this week doesn't need a lot of introduction because she's been here before so we had our our good friend um Amber back on for a second time. You remember her, if we uh, talked to her the first time uh, about a year ago, I think it's been almost a year. Dang, ago I can't believe it's already been a year. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And before we, you know, we talked a lot about her upbringing and, um, you know, some of the crazy turns and stuff that that took, how she got away from religion after, you know, being in the military and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, she also does, a lot of volunteer work. She does a lot of stuff with veterans and some political things. And we just really didn't get a chance to get into that the first time. So we were like, man, we, we want to hear some more about that. So it was cool to talk to her again. She's doing some really cool stuff and uh, it's definitely worth going and following her on Instagram. I'll put a link to her, to her uh, social media in the episode description. You can also go to amberviola.com which has some information on some of the stuff that she does and keeps you up to date on her activities. Someday she's going to be running at least Pennsylvania, yeah. possibly the United States. So she better. All I have to say is she better. Definitely Pennsylvania. I absolutely think that she had a, would have a solid run against Dr. Oz. That's just my opinion. I absolutely think that I'm going to leverage my knowing her into a job with like a, you know, a Georgian oil company. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. No, one of those no-show board positions with a you know a Chinese investment firm. <laughs> now, she is she's fantastic. We love Amber. We've stayed in touch with her since 
honestly, I think we started talking to her very shortly after we started the podcast. Very and, soon. Yeah. She's just been here since the start. We've become friends. Uh, we communicate with her quite regularly. She's a very fun person. Like, I think what's really fun about her is that, you know, she she does a lot for her community, for veterans, for uh, and it does a lot of activism uh, and she's done campaigning as we get into uh, for the Biden campaign. And like it's just but she's also a very like regular, normal person. It's not just like all button ups and serious like conversation. She's just fun. She's a fun person to hang out like with for doing the podcast. I, sh- I just follow her on Instagram. She just seems like an absolute blast uh, to spend time with. And I hope that we get to actually spend time with her in person someday. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Um, we do have one other thing to announce. Uh, my buddy Sam is coming to visit me in Wichita in uh, about a week and a half. Yeah. So looking forward to that. While he's here, we're going to do like a live hangout thing on Discord. So if you're not in our Discord, now's the time to join because uh, that's where we're going to be when the when, during the live hangout. But um, that's going to be Sunday. Oh, my God. What's the date? Right, Sunday, 20, the 21st. 21st. Yeah. So it'll be Sunday evening, the 21st. And you're welcome to jump in, hang out. Uh, we're going to be playing some games, maybe watching some fun uh, religious clips. And yeah, it's going to be a blast. So love to talk to you guys. And yeah, should be fun. So without further ado, enjoy our conversation with Amber Viola. Everybody, we're back with our guest, Amber. We have Amber with us again, and we're super excited about it. Amber, what's up? Hey. I'm happy to be back. You guys are like my favorite podcast. So. Oh, well, thank you. You're one of our <laughs> favorite people. So it works out really well. I like having, um, and we feel like we've made a few friends along the way with this. So it's been, that's just been really cool. Uh, having some of those people pop in and out. And uh, I, last time we were talking, we spent a lot of time on your life story, but then um, it dawned on us that, your current life is also interesting and we didn't talk about any of it. And I was like, Oh geez, we missed a, I mean, we didn't really, I guess that would have been like a five hour podcast if we just kept going, but we have a tendency to not really pump the brakes till, <laughs> I don't know, maybe these guys never end their podcast. Yeah. We didn't even discuss how you're the press secretary for Dr. Oz. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna... right, right. <laughs> I'm trying to get him in there, you know, New Jersey, you cannot have him. Yeah, doctor ordered. Oh my god! Yeah, only he's yeah. God, that is a lot. I would. I, <laughs> what I, time? Not, I'm speaking. What am I? I'm tripping up. What do you? What is there to say about Doctor Oz running for nothing? There's nothing. There's like, just nothing to say. It's ridiculous. I don't. He's <laughs> he's not the other guy, right? <laughs> I mean, the other guy seems insane. Oh my he's, gosh! Yeah. No, no, he actually is really. Is he crazy. the guy? That, is he the guy that wears shorts all the time? No, oh, no, what's, no. What's no, no. his name? You're um, talking. To, you're not talking about the the Democrat guy. You're talking about the guy Oz ran against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, in the primary. primary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that guy was off the fucking yeah. hinges. Yeah, he was a nut. I mean, that's kind of the brand now, I guess. Uh, it's I guess Democrats' only hope is that they are doubling the 
Yeah. Republicans are really doubling down on these off the hinges caricature type people. They have running. Yeah. And people seem to be okay with it. And so I mean, I I know like if our, if the Democrats lose in this uh, governor race we have for Pennsylvania, there's so much stuff that's going to turn really, really um, conservative really quickly because the people who are running have already been saying that, you know, they'll make sure that they can't get an abortion here at all. Um, They're going to roll back any type of regulations that governor wolf did for like gun control or anything like that so yeah they're they're ready that it's so the abortion one's really mind-boggling to me right now in these states because by and large i think it's like 70 something percent of the country is like not in favor of just banning abortion outright yeah. so like to have all these people just popping up being like right now in the heat of Right. Roe v. Wade being overturned and everyone and just like, being and so, so fucking crazy about it, you know, just so yeah. crazy and intense. And it's just like, I, I people live in these bubbles, I guess, where they just only are around that one type of person to believe that, you know, everyone else feels the same way that they do. You know, it's not like this liberal agenda. It's like, no, most people in the United States actually <laughs> right. like support Roe v. Wade. You know, you're the minority on this. And even the people who are on the fence about abortion on an ethical level there's so much like they do have a level of grace for gray areas yeah like yeah but recently there's been some crazy gray areas popping up in the news um the 10 year old girl from ohio you know as this is happening and that story just sounds insane and it and so insane and so it's just like how are people okay with any of that you know i think it's like you it's definitely it's just ideology you know, it's like when you when you've sold yourself completely to this ideology, then it's like it's a test of will to hold the line, even in the face of like just, you know, total common sense resistance. Yeah. You know, I saw somebody ask today online, you know, like, do these people really believe this? Like, do they truly really believe this or are they just, you know, following an ideology and just, you know, believing all in? to it so whatever it says goes you know and it's just so yeah it feels like like, second (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely a line in there somewhere where like that i mean i i wholeheartedly believe that that most of those people are very anti-abortion altogether you know but like there is a line in there where you know that mentally they're kind of they're they're considering like some sort of middle ground but i think it i think it really comes down to like hey i'm all in i support this as a you know in principle and therefore like no exceptions and uh you know this is god's will so uh, yeah yeah little girl figure it out yeah yeah that was really frustrating because you i don't i don't think that i really i don't know i guess you'd really find out how not good of people someone some people are if a situation like that came up but it's hard for me to believe that almost anybody i know who's still fairly conservative on abortion would be like yeah if my 12 year old got raped and got pregnant i would definitely be like ah well you know it's the lord's will for you to keep that and you're 12 i mean they might they might be like well we'll raise the kid but it's not right for you to kill it so you have the baby and we'll raise it as our own which still just feel like that feels so dark that yeah would, yeah that someone would go that route but i don't know it, it seems like well i like, feel like that family then would lie and just say it was their baby and like not their grandbaby and it would be a whole thing 
Yeah, probably. It was definitely one of those situations yeah. when I was in school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just, they also they're like, oh, why'd you homeschool your kid that year? And you're just like, yeah, exactly. It, it, the kid oh, like kind of disappears and, and they weren't at school for, for 10 months. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't actually exist. Like they're just like everyone who's ever suffered from mono is really just like being pregnant. pregnant. (laughs) It's a conspiracy. I got the documents right here. I'm fine with it. Claim mono if that's what you want to do. (laughs) Now that we uh, started out on a high note (laughs) of teen pregnancy and abortion. Um, Okay, so. I don't remember. It's like funny to think about where we might have left off as though anyone, I don't know if anyone else will remember, but um, what I mean, we talked a little bit about your work things. with veterans. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you told us a little bit about like you know, the office that you hold with the, is it the, the American VFW Legion or the American Legion? American Legion. That's yeah. right. Okay. But I don't know that we really got into any of your like political work that you do and, I think that's where we're, I mean, especially given the state, state of Pennsylvania, (laughs) very curious to hear what that's like and what all you're working on. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. So when I've actually haven't been doing all of this kind of like political stuff for too long, it's been the last probably three, three or four years that I really dove head first. Um, back in the day when I was a Republican, I did campaign for George Bush, um, when I, that was my first election. Um, so it was Oh four happening. So I worked for his campaign and everything. And I remember going to my first election party and stuff like that. And just being like hooked. And then as I kind of started going down that road of, you know, deconversion, I started becoming more liberal and, you know, aligning more with democratic views than Republican views. So I switched parties. Um, I started working on the Obama campaign. I got to see him speak when he spoke in Denver in front of just like millions of people. It was, it was amazing. That's cool. And I knew that, you know, I wanted to be involved in politics. Um, I wasn't really sure how, or like even how to really start getting into it, I guess. Like how do people, how do you go and like, Hey, how do I get into politics? You know, And when I moved up here, once I got out the military, I moved back to Scranton, Pennsylvania. That's where I'm at right now. And I went to a rally. You know, I remember sitting in my house and it was, um, you know, after George Floyd, it was during COVID and things like that. And it was like a, a Black Lives Matter rally was going on. And I was like, wow, I really want to go down there to it. And I went. Um, I went and then I just remember standing there crying the whole time. Like I couldn't even get my life together to even like say anything because I just was, I, I don't know. I just felt all of these emotions and, and just like this enormous energy with everyone and like a cohesive voice and like, and people were like mourning and people were sad. Um, and I ended up getting on the mic and speaking and you know, somebody recorded it. And that kind of was like my first ever like political like speech or any type of thing, activist activism publicly that I really had ever done. Um, And then I just kind of dove in head first whenever I could, whenever I saw there was anything that 
you know, I really believed in and was passionate about, I started trying to get involved with those issues and those organizations. And I started um, getting involved in my local community. I was working with veterans because I'm a veteran and my community is very veteran heavy and centered. But we also have, you know, a minority population and we have a lot of refugees that come here and stuff. And I want people to have like a great life experience here that I've been able to have. You know, um, I have, I was privileged, you know, I grew up middle class. My parents were um, in the military and I either was homeschooled or went to private school. And then when I was going to college, I graduated from a private university up here and I was able to get a job. You know, part of the reason was because I went to that university and things and I had a good education and I wanted everybody to be able to kind of have that same leg to stand on. You know, we say that, you know, everybody has the same opportunities and pull yourself by your bootstraps and stuff. But then everybody really doesn't, you know, am, am I starting yeah. with a leg up growing up the way I did, as opposed to somebody who grew up like, you know, in Alabama and went to a school that barely had any funding, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a leg up on them. So I really just wanted to get in there and kind of just work with my community. And I found that if you ask questions, people will give you the answer and people will kind of like point you in the right direction and stuff and, you know, say, Hey, how can I help with this? And, and that's it. And volunteer for things and find people running who are running on issues that you personally care about um, or that you believe in and stuff and just get organized. And one of the, the first big black lives matter rally that we had here in Scranton was organized by teenagers in high school. I mean, they were 16 and 17 years old and you know, really cool. we're up here and, um, you know, it's very conservative up here. And they had, uh, you know, a thousand some people come out to this rally for Black Lives Matter. And I just thought that was absolutely amazing. I was so impressed. Yeah. And something they said was like, we were waiting for somebody to do it. And then nobody did it, you know. And I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that that time uh, in all the Black Lives Matter rallies that were popping up in places because I, I went to a few around here, and it was like it was very similar. It was like I mean, there are some bigger ones that in the city that were organized by some nonprofits that were in the area, um, but a lot of them were were that they were they were teenagers or early twenties. Yeah, just like said the same thing. They're like, I don't. I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just do it because right. uh, there isn't one around here. Yeah. And of course, what was strange in my town, there was like, they're, they're, my town's small, uh, small and super white. Uh, <laughs> and surprisingly, the turnout was good, uh, but it felt so strange because it was all like, well, you guys can't, like, they, there was all these like stipulations. They're like, you guys can't march down the street. You can't do this. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, right, right. And then it feel, then you get into that feeling of like, do you have to listen to this? Like, we can't all just walk down the street simultaneously. And what are they going right, to do? Happened to the, yeah. So dumb. I was like, this feels like strange. I was like, feels like we should start maybe breaking some of these rules, but also like, I don't know. <laughs> I was, it, it was I'm not so a ringleader on that kind of stuff. I'll be like, honest. In those little places like that, though, I, I held a Biden rally in my town and it's at, my town is a village because it's it's that small and it's definitely Trump territory, 100 percent. And I held a Biden car rally <laughs> like down our main street and around and stuff. And 
It was, I mean, we had, so the Trump rally had like 29 cars and I think our rally had like 35. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, Whoa. yeah, woo, big Door turnouts buster. and stuff. <laughs> but I love that it, you know, it was friendly and, and that people came out. But then on the other hand, what surprised me was the amount of people that were like terrified. And there was people who were legitimately scared. And I would get messages on Facebook and phone calls like, hey, you know, I support you guys and I'll give you money. I'll donate to whatever you need. But like, I don't want to be in it because they didn't want people to know because they were scared of like what repercussions or consequences. You know, my mom had a Biden sign in her yard and she said that a couple people came in and and told her like, oh, I want to put one in my yard, but like, you know, I'm scared that somebody's going to rip it out or like, you know, worst case scenario, shoot up my yard or something because of that. And I was just like, that's so insane. <laughs> yeah. How crazy. I mean, how fucking wild is it that we're here? Like, I mean, at what point in history was it like that big of a deal to like support your candidate with a sign? Right. And that's what I wondered. Fear too, of retaliation. Are there still signs up where you guys are? And now there's like a whole bunch of different ones. So like today I was driving home and there was a bunch of new like uh, Biden's an idiot with like his face in it. There was like somebody must have had a oh. sale because um, <laughs> yeah. there was like a bunch of those around a bunch of new like I voted for Trump. Don't blame me. Like yeah, hum- humongous. A lot of let's go Brandon flags. A lot, and it, and I was like, when has this ever been like this that people have kept doing this after an election has happened? I think uh, yeah, there's a guy he in his yard, like on my way to my to my warehouse, which is in the closest town, and he has like a homemade FJB, just the three letters, like in lights in his front yard, and. Wait, in light. I don't know. I see a lot of those. Yeah, oh, like he, he made a sign and then wrapped it in Christmas lights. Like, where are they ordering <laughs> this stuff from? You know, what was weird, too, is like there was a couple of these like pop up stands. Like, you know, when you drive down the road and like you'll see somebody set up out of a trailer and they're selling like fireworks, you know, yeah, <laughs> big yeah. rugs with tigers on them. Mm-hmm. And stuff yeah, like yeah. that, you know what I mean? There was like those, the lot a couple of, a of those around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like a check cashing place or something, and they've got a trailer with the doors open, and it's all just like this weird uh, non-licensed MAGA merch. <laughs> when um last so week, that election, I I drove people to the polls, and almost all of the people that I drove were all Trump supporters, and it was just a collection of hilarity that was like, I mean, I had a great time, you know, it was like, everybody was kind of starving to get out because it was during COVID and stuff. So, you know, I'm driving this big van, but uh, people were hilarious and, you know, were just really serious about him and laughing and joking and wishing me luck, you know, and, and everything. And it was, it was, it was quite a riot. And they all, like all of them had gear to it. And you know, and like pizzazz and stuff, their little bit of flair on and everything. And I was just like, what? Why do they do this? Oh, he's a merch selling machine. For real. I mean, pumped it out. I think, okay, so my question for you is like, so you heard from the community there a lot of feedback that they were like afraid to publicly support Biden. Yeah. 
knowing that community, I mean, cause you work in that community and you know, a lot of those people, like, was that fear warranted or was that something that you feel like outside sources like the national media were kind of building up that fear that didn't necessarily apply to where you live? I think both. Um, I do think that there was some people who, you know, kind of drank the Kool-Aid and kind of were angry, but I, I think down here in a lot of places you had people you grew up with. So like you went to school with these people, you know, their grandparents, everybody still lives on the same streets. And it's like, most of you are still going to get along when this is going on. And even after it's going on now, some people do take it to the extreme where now it's like, I don't really want to hang out with you because <laughs> of some of the things you said. But for the most part, you have a lot of people really just getting along together. With that being said, have I had death threats and things like that? Absolutely. Um, I had some really? when, yeah, when I was working for the city, I had some, uh, those were just like racist, crazy threats on a voicemail. And, you know, I had death threats in my DMs and, and different when I was going to different protests and things. So those things are very real. Um you know, and was it just keyboard warriors, you know, sitting back and, and being mad or could it actually have been real people? Who knows? Right. What do you do? I mean, do you report that? To, are you just kind of, what, what, yeah, what I mean, you do some of them I didn't, you know, because I was like, oh, this is whatever. And then I was like, oh, OK, well, then I just I um, talked to the police about what I should do. And I, one of my best friends is a state trooper. So I asked him, like, what do I need to do if this happens and, and stuff like that. So, okay, you, you, I mean, you should. I, it's hard to not like you feel silly um, almost sometimes. Right, reporting yeah, them. I can imagine. But then that. if everybody feels the same way, then nobody's going to be, be reporting these people who are, you know, doing these things. So, right. And that's how literally none of these like yep. don't read out <laughs> any of the crazies because we mm -hmm. keep watching them be fucking crazy on the Internet all day every day on fucking 4chan and whatever and all yeah. of a sudden someone does something and we're like oh yeah we've had 10 <laughs> years of red fucking flags right exactly. and now we're like holy shit he did something it's like yeah it's getting old to experience that it's like maybe we should just report everyone this if you, yeah there's a line and it doesn't have to be <laughs> too far gone before we're just like and reported because you seem unhinged and we'll just right you can deal with the consequences yeah if you're if you're maga bro 69 making death threats on stormfront like <laughs> maybe we don't need you out here right you need to go talk to somebody out here in these streets <laughs> i think uh it's i feel like um you know they okay so we've talked a little bit about like that hillsong documentary that came out yeah on discovery plus and I kind of had mixed feelings about it where like watching it as a person who came from, you know, similar sort of background, like some of the things that I think were really shocking to people who didn't really have a foundation right, in Christianity, yeah. like purity culture and things like that were just shocking to them because they're just not familiar with it. And to me, on the other hand, I'm like, this is in the documentary. Like this is pretty uh, run of the mill. You like know? you wanted, yeah. I wanted, the, I wanted the deeper stuff. Like I wanted, so, like the stuff I felt like they started getting into, then they would stop. I was like, that's what I want to know about. <laughs> well, I think like from the standpoint, like on the on the issue of like the Trump campaign and things, I imagine it was a similar sort of effect where people who were totally outside of those conservative circles were looking in and just being like, what is happening? Right. Like, what is going on here? The level of dedication and the, 
you know, the the arrogance and the like insistence and stuff. It's just crazy. But I I, I don't know. I mean, working because I, I worked like I mean, I say worked. I was a kid, but like I went and handed out signs for for Bush back in the yeah. day. And, <laughs> you know, I was at Liberty. I mean, we were all like going to vote for uh god what was McCain? was it when mccain, McCain. yeah <laughs> there's some of it that's almost like i think it's like i can understand it a little more having been you know having had a foot in that yeah, realm for yeah. so long where like some of it is still shocking and some of the other stuff you're like well yeah i mean of course they're all in on this guy <laughs> yeah no that's definitely true because when you're in it now and you look that stuff seems so normal to us. Cause I know that you'll be talking to somebody about something and you start saying it and they're looking at you like you're insane. And you're like, what? And they're like, that's not a normal thing. Like no, most people don't go through that or didn't have to. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, so then you kind of have to realize like, Oh, okay. So this wasn't, you know, you're in your little tiny, tiny, a little oddball, you know, sect and stuff. I was telling people about not being able to listen to secular music for a year one of my friends was like, what's secular? And I was like, okay, first of all, that's a whole, like, <laughs> that's privilege. That's right, privilege. Right, right, right. Cause I was like, how would you, I heard that word so much, but then I realized now as an, I don't think I really have ever said it outside of the bounds of talking about Christianity. <laughs> right. Right. You know, my dad was like, he's always been a big fan of the Eagles and when I was a Go kid, birds. he got the like they got that like reunion album that they did called Hell Freezes Over. <laughs> My dad got that album and they scribbled out hell oh, on goodness. the CD jacket. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my goodness. That's oh, good. My God. It's I, so funny. Oh like I I have yeah, and I, mean, I understand um, that level of seriousness though because I lived that that is something that 100% would have happened in my house and that you know and so yeah I can under I can see how you go from that to a Trump t-shirt you know it's just you know it's like one yeah, step yeah. over that's the ideology we were talking about earlier where like it's this weird like all I'm I'm all in I'm uh you know I'm 100% on board with the ideology and in that case it's like I'm making my house a sanctuary from secular, ungodly input. And that means like no swear words, not even hell on a CD jacket or whatever else. And 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 that's the level of commitment you get from people that are like, yeah, you know, you're like, can we at least rape an incest? Like, can we agree on that? And they're like, no, I mean, you know, God has a plan. God has a plan. <laughs> Which is a, always a great default because that's just that's the conversation killer right there. Like, there's nothing left to say. So, I, I mean, I don't know, but God does. So, <laughs> conversation ended. I can go home now, right? Like, oh my God, I, that's why it does. It gets to a point where uh, there's there, there's a lot of people who want to like just kind of scream across the line and and just be mad. It's like that's taking a bigger toll on you than it is on them. I swear. Like yeah. if <laughs> yeah. you need to step back, you got to just fucking relax and know that like you saying anything to them is not going to change their mind. Oh, there's like only, there's probably one or two people in their lives that could influence the way that they think. And you're not one of them. Mm -hmm. So just redirect your energy to something useful. And that's the thing <laughs> is like, well, what are you doing? what are you doing to help out this cause that you believe in? You know what I mean? If you're saying that 
well, I don't want there to be abortions. So, okay, do you want to prevent, you know, pregnancies from happening? Do you want to help teach kids sex education so that when they decide to have sex, they're doing it safely and, and with the proper equipment and stuff? You know, or do you want to just a penis and vagina? And, <laughs> not the proper equipment. Um, yes. Sure know what <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's like all of the things that prevent abortion, they also don't want to do. So that's kind of where it gets very confusing to me because it's like then, then give out contraceptives and make them easier to get, and you know, make sure people know what they're doing. Make sure people have healthcare and people have access to healthcare and they're closing all these medical clinics and doctor's offices and hospitals all around the country are closing. So there's women who are pregnant and they have to drive two hours to go see a doctor and they're not receiving prenatal care like their whole entire pregnancy. You know, the black maternal death rate, I'm five times more likely to die on childbirth than your wife is, you know, in New York, it's 12 times more likely. You know, even Holy though shit. I have a degree, that still doesn't matter. It still makes me then four times more likely to die. Um, you know, so it's like all of these things are happening once people are having babies and are pregnant and we're not doing anything to stop them and fix them. And our healthcare system is disastrous and our maternal death rate is insane, especially for the level of sophistication that our country is at. And it's just really sad. Yeah, and it's oh, it's so far off from the rest of the like modern world, I guess first right. world, I yeah. should say. It's like way far off. We're so far below them. It's also that it's on the whole topic of healthcare, like outside of even pregnancy and and um, maternal death rates. Like it's it's bad across. It's so much worse across the board mm-hmm. for Black and Brown people. It's just like. They're like, uh, I just listened to a podcast for one of my classes and it had, they talked about the, um, the rates at which prescription painkillers are prescribed for, uh, white people who ask for them because they're in major pain and black people who report right. the exact same symptoms. And it is crazy. And that's how why much we were left out the opioid crisis. Like throat. that's why we're yeah. not in it. You know, we're largely not in it because of doctors not believing we're actually in pain and they don't prescribe us pain medicine. I mean, there's, there's like surveys um, done in 2019 about medical students who believed that black people experienced less pain than white people. They believed that black people had thicker skulls than white people did. And they believed that black people had thicker skin. So, you know, you have people who are now doctors believing these types of things that are practicing and they and they also believe that, you know, black people go to the doctor and they're, you know, they want pain medication and they want pills and, you know, they're malingering things like that. So that's how they treat it. So they don't actually prescribe us pain medicine, you know. So that's why there was this whole opioid crisis where largely the African-American community wasn't even involved in simply due to racism. Yeah. <laughs> so it has its upside. Right, right. Yeah. The <laughs> silver lining of racism. <laughs> I knew there was one. <laughs> don't, don't tell my dad that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. What was uh, Okay, so if you if you were involved in the Obama campaign, and then also involved in the Biden campaign. 
like what was the difference in just like the energy <laughs> the atmosphere and stuff like that because <laughs> i feel like obama was just like this lightning bolt of hope yeah at the time you know and biden's not trump okay so <laughs> so for i would say for the most part and for the most part Democrats, younger gem- Democrats, not like corporate Democrats, you know, establishment or whatever, did not want Joe Biden as our nominee. Um, we pretty much wanted anybody else except Joe Biden, you know, when you were just on a Democratic side. We felt like he was too old, been in politics too long, and wasn't going to have the spark and energy needed to really go against Trump. And he was just going to be another run of the mill Democrat. So, and he proved us all wrong, right? Just no. a run-of-the-mill so bowling the, pin. So the excitement wasn't there. Um, the energy was there as far as wanting to get Trump out of office and wanting anybody yeah, yeah. but Trump. And knowing the, you know, the impact of the Supreme Court justices and all those things like had, that's kind of what had people panicked. And wanting to make sure that we had a Democrat in there to kind of like smooth it over and and kind of right the ship. You know, when Obama was running, we, you know, we had hope. We truly believed like this was going to change the world, you know, that he was going to be able to really make a huge impact with America and, you know, the economy and, and put us, you know, have a good place for us on the map of the world and things like that. I think people really were looking for like a new beginning. Um, Joe Biden was not that. (laughs) Now, just so you can have a chance to clarify, like, do you, do you still think that Obama was born in Kenya? (laughs) (laughs) We could strike that from the record now. if you want. <laughs> Sorry. My my daughter, she's got to meet him twice. Um so my wow. so my first Obama story, um, I was at Fort Lee. It was my last enlistment. I was pregnant with my daughter. I was an instructor, and the president was coming on his like farewell tour. So I was pregnant and y'all, I was dying. Like I was I was having the worst pregnancy. I was so sick. So by the time he comes, I'm sweating i'm like my fingers are swollen my feet are swollen my boots are now untied any part of makeup i wanted to have on my face is gone like i'm literally like as soon as i leave here i actually have to go see my doctor so i get i'm standing up and i'm like waiting in line and i see him and i wanted to take a selfie and i couldn't even like get my life together enough to take a selfie but i showed him i was like you know president obama and he rubbed my belly and i got to take some pictures of him and it was pretty cool. So then fast forward to during the election, um, we, I was down in Philly to go watch him speak at the link. Um, and he was going to visit some canvassers before he was going to go speak that night. So I had the opportunity to take my daughter over there and then go meet with him before he went out to speak. And um, she got to see him and she went viral, the little Obama baby. And she was standing there next to him and he like, kneeled down to talk to her and he was like I wish I could hug you but I'm trying to be good for COVID and like it was just so cool and I got to talk to him and I said sir you know this is the second time you met my daughter the first time you met her I was at Fort Lee or whatever I'm like whimpering now at this point um 
but it was that was just so cool and and the pictures of her are just like so precious and he loved like you can That's tell that he loved so cool. little kids and not and not the way biden seems to, no i was gonna say he didn't sniff her he didn't sneak up behind her and sniff her good that is really cool it is so weird to look back at because when when obama was in office i okay so like 2012 especially i was peak of my alex jones phase i was not a fan and now you know you look back on it and you're like remember when we had a guy who could talk right. <laughs> wasn't just offensive every time he opened his mouth you <laughs> could read the teleprompter properly and not I do need the one the confidence of Alex tangents. Jones. Like that man can take a before and after and look exactly the same, and you can't tell him nothing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, god. So for all right, so when you did campaign, what what was campaigning like um, for for Biden in Pennsylvania? Because Pennsylvania went Pennsylvania went Trump in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. And they, but they went Biden in 2020. It was supposedly supposedly yeah. <laughs> if allegedly you didn't get so yes, many extra yes, ballots yes. when you were campaigning. And I, I think that's what people's. So like when Hillary lost and the polls were so wrong, for me, I just honestly was like, I think that people were either embarrassed to say, you know, or just, you know, didn't really want people to find out who they were going to vote for or, and then voted for Trump, you know, and that's how he won. And I feel like people, a lot of people were shocked by that, but I really wasn't, I wasn't, I, I just, I was like, people like him and they may not say it out loud, but they like him and they like what he's doing and they're going to, and nobody likes Hillary. So they're going to, you know, they're going to go and they're going to vote for her. And I think that on the same token, when with Biden was, I think there was a lot of people who kind of were just fed up and they didn't really know what the right answer was going to be. And they had said so much in the four years previous that they kind of just went ahead and just voted and didn't really say anything and tell anybody, you know, um, and, you know, because I because people were like, I can't believe that, you know, he would have won after. And I'm like, yeah, well, he Trump got on a lot of people's nerves, you know, and some people just didn't say anything, you know. And, and I think that people just wanted kind of kind of he pissed off a lot of people and a lot of veterans yeah. and a lot of fans like stupid. Yeah, stuff. actually, like just to know more stuff. about that. Yeah. <laughs> like just he veterans, <laughs> uh, would veterans typically I feel like any military people lean more conservative. Is that accurate or? I would say yes, but I I would also say no, because that is definitely like straight white male veteran is, okay. you know, conservative Republican, yay guns, like all of that. But the military is very, very Brown, you know? So like 43% of the army is minority. Um, so you have a lot of these branches that have a lot of black and brown people in them and they're still voting Democrat and they're still supporting democratic policies, even while being in uniform. And I think that a lot of people tend to forget that as black sailors, soldiers, and airmen, we're still black and we're still treated as such, you know, and I got called a nigger in uniform. You know, I had a run in with law enforcement and different things and stuff. And, and, 
being a veteran doesn't shield me from racism and being, you know, an active duty didn't shield me from racism, you know? So there's still definitely that divide among, um, enlisted people, enlisted people in the military and things like that, that it's like, well, a lot of the white men are still very, and women are still very conservative, still very Republican and Democrats and are the black people and brown people are mostly still Democrats. So it does feel like that is a lot. Cause, um, one of the things that comes up a lot um, in elections is like the, you know, Democrats, you find a lot of Republican, of course, this kind of mixes with being white male, as you just pointed out, but you'll find a lot of Republican candidates over the years that have had military backgrounds uh, and that works in their favor, but that always seems to be missing from, from Democrats and their, their background. (laughs) It it doesn't feel like they have, um, I guess it just always feels to me like they're they're not reaching the they're just not I feel like they're not really reaching people in the military the same way that the Republican Party is as an intent. Like, let's let's reach these people. Let's speak this way. I I don't think they are. I really don't. I don't feel like that's a focus of people that they really focus on at all. I don't really feel like that they feel like there's a real market for that. And I think that's due to just the stereotype of it being, you know, one type of person. Um, so part of what I, what I want to do with helping veterans and stuff and helping my community is, is for people to know that there's female veterans, that there's gay veterans, that there's Latino veterans, there's black veterans, you know, it, everybody. And now you have all these different people and they need to be represented and seen. Because if they're seen, then people start to realize, like, okay, we have a whole different group of people that we're here that we're kind of just missing out on. So I, I think they're there, and I just don't think that's really a focus of of Democrats to try to like reach that those people. What it seems to me like that that subject is really weird, and and like I you know I'm not I didn't serve in the military, so it's you know, outside looking you just in steal but... valor when you're out <laughs> trying to get a discount. At <laughs> like the only five foot six Navy seal out there, you know, at the bar. <laughs> but, uh, it, it seems like, I don't know from on, from like a ground perspective, given that you've been in the military for a long time and been around the military for a long time. Like, was there like a noticeable policy difference between, you know, the different candidates that, or the different presidents that we've had in that time period, because it, it, it seems like we don't really have like a, uh, you know, a necessarily like a peace party these days. Yeah. They kind of both parties sort of back, you know, foreign conflict right. and things yeah. like that. Um, yes, there is. I mean, you can definitely feel the shift, um, in the way that things come down. Um, I served under president Obama and president Trump. And when he banned, trans people from the military people got kicked out you know and were were sent home so that had a real effect on on people and on policy and different things like that and you know when when the president would get into different spats with world leaders and things like that you know units would be put on alert because there could be different activity in those areas and stuff so when we would get raises and different things like that, obviously you would, you would know that those things happen whenever there's a change to, um, to different VA policies and stuff that will come in. Um, like the policy under Obama that allowed you to have access to care to where you can go to, 
um, you can go to doctor's offices that are closer to your house instead of having okay. to go all the way to the VA. And and now there's no like, it doesn't have to be like this long referral process. It's like, that can be your doctor since you live right here. We're going to cover it for you. Um, so things like it's that. Crazy that. That's so recent. But, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, it blows my mind. Like, sorry to derail you. Uh, it just blows my mind. The lack of help that, anyone gets after they're out of the military like well, in the and military then, and they that's get the thing i think that people really anyway, but. confuse when um when republicans talk about raising the defense budget and things like that that doesn't go into troops pockets like when you first are enlisted especially if you come in married or with a kid like you're under the poverty level you qualify for welfare you qualify for wit you know you it's qualify so for wild. all of these things because you just you don't make enough money at all it's just that you have these benefits so like you're making no, making no money but you also have a place to sleep and to eat you know but you don't make a lot of money and i think that people think that when we have a big defense budget that the troops are being treated well and it's like we're, you're not you still are receiving the same menial little amount of money that you know that you were before and it and yeah it's i remember terrible. my brother-in-law joined the air force and they were like he gets he's gets there and he's like, I have to buy my own uniform. <laughs> Are oh, you serious? Right, yeah. <laughs> they don't hand those out I to people. Like that. They so hand it out to weird. you, but you bought it. It's coming out of your paycheck. Yeah, it just comes out of your paycheck. Yeah, yeah. they didn't ask. And they're expensive. It's so dumb. Oh my gosh, so dumb. What a what a policy. Oh my god. And you have to buy your own uniform. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know about that one. But, sorry. Anyway, you were talking about that shit, that, uh, Obama, and making that policy change so you can visit a doctor closer to your house. Um, and I feel like you were going to maybe mention another policy shift that you experienced. There was, but um, I don't know if that's a they changed the amount of money that you received as a stipend when you were going to school from active duty to Department of Defense. So that gave a shift in our pay. So, like, some of us lost a lot of money during that time so you saw policies enacted in real time like that so when they come to the va and they come to veterans and stuff a lot of those things you do really see happen so it can really matter who is in office and and kind of what they're trying to trying to make happen it's a lot of the it seems like it's a lot of the non-sexy stuff that doesn't make it into the pol you know the yeah. campaign speeches and because right now they just passed like the burn pit bill to um give cover veterans who were in burn pit areas and who suffered from different types of toxins and different things that were being denied by the VA and their claims were being denied and, and people were dying. I mean, there's people who are our age who are dying of brain cancer and weird stomach cancers and things like that due to being exposed to burn pits. And the same thing happened to Vietnam veterans that were exposed to Agent Orange. And there were some of yeah. them were in areas where they said, oh, you weren't affected, but clearly they were. And, and you know, and they were denying their claims. Hopefully this will make it better so that it's more of an umbrella scope to be covered so that it can be like you were in Iraq. That whole area is covered. We don't care where you are. You're you're covered. You were there. So that i mean yeah, it's crazy that you, yeah it's crazy that you have to prove anything and that you're you're begging people for health care like when john stewart was begging people to help the 9-11 yeah. victims you know it's like what what are we doing i know the fact that you have to fight for that you have to push for that you have to have all these backroom dealings about it the constant denial of the 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 awful conditions that people have been subjected to the 
gaslighting around like, no, that's not what this is for decades only to be like, Oh, all right. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll joke aside. We passed a bill uh, and we this should help the ones who are still alive. So you can thank us later. That's what I met Crazy. with Senator Casey about. Um, we were talking yeah. about the, the bill, um, the burn pit bill and how it just, it had passed and how they're talking about the push forward and kind of, he was asking us basically our issues with the VA, what we like about the VA and, any specifics about the bill, how we would like implement some of the policies like that. So it was a really good, interesting conversation to be able to have with him. So yeah. (laughs) How did you get into um, like kind of moving into that position? I know you've been doing a lot of advocacy work. I don't know if this kind of goes along the lines of asking their questions that you mentioned before and people pointing in the right direction and just trying to dive in. I mean, I started, I started going to political rallies um, for local politicians in my area, and I started, you know, meeting them and talking to them and kind of trying to get to know, like, what are the issues or problems that we have around here? And as I did that and I was I was involved with different activities, people would hear like, oh, well, Amber's a veteran, you know, um, and I had some great interviews that TV and newspaper did on me uh, when I was going to Marywood. I was president of the student veterans on campus. So that position allowed me to kind of meet different politicians and different people in that world and plan events and have different fundraiser and stuff. So you get to meet a lot of people in the veterans community. And, you know, I kind of will always say yes to things. And, you know, people would ask me, I got, uh, I had met um, Congressman Matt Cartwright a few times at some of his rallies and he really supports veterans here in the area and he had had an opening on a panel that he holds that selects selectees to go to military academies. And so, you know, he, somebody asked me if they could, you know, he was going to give me a call and they needed my phone number. And he called me and he said, Hey, Amber, um, we talked for a long time. And he asked me if I would like to be on this, this panel that he had. And I was like, absolutely. And I was just screaming and freaking out and stuff. And sometimes, I mean, it's just saying yes to things and being willing when you kind of are willing to put yourself out there. I think people notice that and they know that, you know, and they're receptive to that because people would just ask me to participate in different things because they had seen me at different rallies or different political campaigns um, and just being willing to kind of being involved in my community. And so then, you know, I get asked to do that with veterans. And then, you know, I would, I was able to uh, be in some commercials for the DNC um, and for the president Biden when he was running. So me and my daughter were in a couple commercials. And um, so that was really fun. And then doing things where, so like I said, I had drove people to the polls. Well, I was just talking to some people on Facebook about going to vote and people were saying how like they didn't have a way to get there. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe if I just see if like, how would I be able to drive people to the polls if I wanted to? And I posed the question on Facebook and I asked and I had people donated $100 so I could get like supplies. Somebody donated a van. Um, People donated gas money. So cool. And different things. And all I did was just say on Facebook, I was like, hey, if I wanted to like drive people to the polls, like how could I, you know, how could I do that? What could I really do? 
and people kind of just reached out to me um, when my area went to virtual school. I didn't want them to due to the fact that we live in a poor area. Not everybody has internet. Not everybody has Wi-Fi. Not everybody has computers and things like that. And we did. We went to virtual school and our school, it took almost the school year for them to receive any type of computers or anything. They didn't receive any. Come on. So there was literally students who were sharing their mom's phone to do homework, students who were at school. And this is kind of where like privilege comes in when people talk about privileges that different people have. This is some people's experience during COVID. And when people talk about our kids lost two years of of school and are going to be really far behind. I had a family that was living in a hotel and there was four, four kids and they were sharing their mom's phone. So they would each pick a day to attend class and then to do their homework that night. So they would rotate. So the kids aren't even able to go to school every day. I had another mom who had two kids. She worked all day. So her kids pretty much had to go to see like a sitter or daycare. Got home at six o'clock. Did each kid did homework for an hour, ate dinner, and then went to bed. So they try to squeeze eight hours of school into like one hour that, you know, the kid is sharing a phone and things like that. And there are some families that received one laptop and they had five kids. So um, I saw the need. One of my, you know, I saw somebody who needed a laptop. Their kid, they were like, hey, my kid's about to do virtual school and they don't have a laptop. Like, I don't have internet. They don't have a laptop. Like, what are they supposed to do? So I just bought a computer, I bought a laptop and I started doing that with, with every check. And then some of my friends found out and they said, Hey, you know, why don't you advertise this? So people start donating. So people started donating and we started getting laptops and, you know, um, we worked with, you know, the news talked about it. We worked with youth shelter organizations in the area and different things like that. And, and, you know, we're able to kind of do those things, but that that's not to like toot my own horn, but that's just to say like just do whatever. Like if yeah. you see something happening, that's a big deal. Just like start doing it, and it doesn't have to be in like some deep, like really planned, well thought out way. You know, go on Facebook and say, "Hey, I want to drive people to the polls." What like what do I do? How do I start? What do I do with that? And you know, and and people kind of will help you along the way, and and you know, once you find that need, kind of just go for it. And it, and it doesn't have to be polished, you know. I'm for just buying one laptop for, you know, the cheapest one I can find out of my paycheck and, you know, just trying to help a, help a kid be able to do virtual school. But, you know, you see something that you think is ridiculous. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. So I spoke out about that yeah. a lot, you know, and, 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 and there was a lot of people – there's so many people in my community who assumed that every single kid received a laptop right off the bat. Didn't um, did not even think I, that there was kids that didn't have internet, that didn't have Wi-Fi. I had parents um, message me and apologize because I had a woman tell me I was pushing for virtual school because I was so scared that my kids were going to get sick. You know, but we have Wi-Fi in our house. We have laptops. The kids have a tablet. She was like, I didn't even think about kids who don't have any of those things and a parent who's going to be home to be able to do that and, and to kind of be able to help them. Yeah, and That's going on a whole nother tangent. But yeah. 
no, no like, that's that's interesting though and like i don't have kids so i'm totally out of the loop on some of that stuff but i imagine there's so many things like this when you're talking about like you know people advocating for policy not knowing like the downsides of those things and how it affects people that aren't in the exact same situation as right them. i mean seeing how that's seeing that happen knowing the reality of some of those those families that don't have those resources available to them like i mean is it is like it has to be frustrating to see people just like endlessly advocate for like virtual school <laughs> and, I, and because just, and they conservatives didn't want to do right and it's like and is i is that an excuse for them i don't know but they don't know they really just had no idea and just assumed that, well, everyone I know has a computer and, you know, has internet in their homes. So why would I think about anybody else who, who wouldn't have those things? And there was a lot of people who did, and it is frustrating. And it's, and honestly, it's scary. I mean, there's kids' houses that I went into that I don't think should be houses. Um, I'd like simply put, I, I didn't even know what to say. There was houses that I wanted to just cry. And I'm like, I can't come in here and just be cry, like crying in these people's houses. And I mean, and, and most of them were like clean and stuff. They did whatever they could, but you know, what are you going to do if something's falling apart? You know, putting lipstick on a well, you to these families? How'd you connect to the, these various families? I'm sorry if you said that. And I, no, no. I so that. basically I would just post about it. You know, I start, I use okay. social media. Um, I used it, I think. Kind it of would just what spread around. Yeah. And it, and it honestly just spread around when I was doing, giving the rides to the polls, uh, the news picked it up from Facebook and saw, so they ran and did a story with it. Um, I started up my, I have my own <laughs> website. I bought my domain name because I'm a, because Donald Trump didn't buy his domain name um, and, they, and they used it against him. So I got, <laughs> but um, before someone was like, I'm right. sick of this person. <laughs> Let's make a shit it. website in her name. So I would use my, tell people to sign up at my website, amberviola.com and, um, and people would. And when I started doing the laptop, same thing, I would tell people, you know, to message me if they needed a laptop or, you know, um, hit me up on my website and, you know, send a request form and different things. Like, I mean, I had somebody ask me for a laptop maybe like four weeks ago. Like somebody really? was like, do you still have any laptops that you're giving out? Yeah. And it, it I mean, it was so cool. And so these kids would be like, do I have to give this back to you? And I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's yours, dude. Also, because the laptop policy was fucking stupid. So it literally was like, we're going to give this seven-year-old laptop for the year but like if they break it now you have to pay us like three hundred dollars or, or from a laptop yeah. for like making them take and i was like <laughs> or they would make you buy insurance mine is already broke like mine is like before you know what i mean like you bumped it against the car before you even get it home and 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 i mean they're looking at me like do i have to give you no this is your laptop forever so like you know take care of it and you'll have it for a couple of years but like Jesus, like you know, who comes up with this stuff? Yeah, my districts did like uh, they did. You could pay like your insurance bill, like you could pay for insurance on it, and you're like, 
we all know insurance is basically a scam. So this is just the school's way of like trying to bring in extra money. Like <laughs> the school's selling wait, insurance. Isn't like the yes. school's in- that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, maybe they just have it's possible. Look, it's possible they partnered with a program or a company that did the laptops and they might have had a totally separate like a company manage the whole laptop thing. I don't know. I just know that like when I'm like I either pay them $30 if this breaks or I pay them 50 bucks now. Like so many people don't have the 50 bucks well, and, and you're just right, like putting them in a right. shit position. It's like exactly, an extortion for these people. Exactly. And, and that's part of it too, because it, it you can't pay that up front. So now you're kind of stuck either way. Yeah. And, you know? and, and it we was all the, know your kid's going to break the laptop. Right, so everybody knows. Hedging right. your bets wrong exactly. for sure. But and the people just, who <laughs> have money to buy their kid their own laptop, you know, they don't have to worry about buying that insurance or anything like that and yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's always <laughs> the whole situation was bonkers for sure yeah that's that's one of the things that's like i feel like you look at because what we see all the time is people that are on the national stage you know these people who have clawed their way into the public spotlight to where cnn's talking about their their comments on kids doing drag shows or whatever. You right. Know? And yeah. like, it seems to me like most of these people are sociopaths. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's how they got to that point. Because I mean, if everybody was doing the things that you're talking about, right? Like if, if all of these people who are involved in politics were involved at the local level to the point where they're out handing out laptops to families who are trying to figure out how their kid's going to go to school yeah. for the next two years while it's going on like there's got to be a significant amount of these people that can just turn a blind eye to it and just continue on because i i don't i don't know what i'm trying to say it's just I how, mean, do, you, it's, how it's, do you deal with that scope of the problem the problem is so big you know and there's definitely times that i get like really overwhelmed because i feel like i'm not making a dent in anything you know i'm reading that like 85% of, you know, babies had that chemical in them from like, you know, when they were born or something. And I'm like, how do I fight a problem? That- Adrenochrome? Yeah, that's this big, you know. <laughs> but I think it is just on a local level, just trying to help help people where they're at and, and kind of find out what they need because that's where it matters. And, and local elections right here matter. Who your mayor is matters. Yeah. You know, who who's a sheriff in your town matters, who's a coroner is going to matter. Um, and a lot of these, you know, different um, shooting cases and things with police and different things like who these elective officers, those positions are, they matter. And a lot of times these people run unopposed and just for years yeah. and nobody runs against them and nobody challenges them at all at, or there's seats that nobody even, nobody even runs in. Um, and that, that's 90% of things here. And that's what happens. And then kind of, it's just always just the same old thing. And so to see that and then come in and, and, and try to, you know, shake it up and, and to go out for things. And I, I went out for city council and I didn't make it. And I went out for the school board and I didn't make it. And that one was hard for me because I felt like that was probably the best interview I've ever did in my life. And I knew I should have got it, you know, but because of that, I ended up getting a job because of that. I ended up getting so many opportunities 
because I put myself out there and I was in a newspaper and like all of those things. And now that I'm out there now, people see that and they're like, Hey, are you interested in doing this? I heard you on, you know, I heard your interview and you talked about that. Are you interested in this? So now like what you said about people calling up people That's and asking really cool. for their opinions, you know, now that happens to me where they reporters will call and say, Hey, you know, how do you feel about the new Supreme court judge justice being, you know, black woman, you know? And I'm like, what the fuck? Why do you feel <laughs> like, okay, you want my opinion, you know, but it's now I have people asking me what, what my opinion on, on things are and different things. And it's, and it's just because I, you know, I just, I just do stuff. <laughs> I, God, I can't wait till people. I think I'm still buying my way into heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got one for you. How do you feel about the Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, uh, possibly having sex with uh, other men? And, and I feel good about it. <laughs> like how often is your name in that statement? You know, or how, like <laughs> whatever you're doing, it's not, it's, you know, whatever you're doing to get yourself there, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> or yeah. right. He's been, he's been too angry at the gays for uh, too long to not have something going on in the background. Oh, what a miserable person. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, I, I can't describe the joy I felt at reading that headline this morning. I'm like, oh, it's Christmas. <laughs> it's like you just know that they're going to have that secret in their closet. <laughs> I'm Okay, so from like coming from your military background, I'm curious, like, do, you know, if you do you follow like a lot of our foreign policy news closely? And there's been so much that I would think, you know, veterans probably have like very strong opinions about over the past couple of years, like our withdrawal from Afghanistan and, you know, some of the things that, that are being pushed for like in Ukraine and stuff like that. Like, is that stuff that's on your radar or is it, is it mostly just like cable news fodder or how do you see it? Um, I mean, it definitely is. I did take a step back from the news because I had to. I was, it was killing my mental health too. Like, it was just too much, you know. Um, but I do pay attention to things, and I mean, my mom personally is dealing with the withdrawal from Afghanistan due to her interpreter being stuck there and he's been jailed multiple times. I believe his son was shot. Um, and oh. they're, you know, they've taken oh all their goodness. possessions and stuff and, and different things. And she's trying to help him get out of the country. He's been beaten by the Taliban and, and different things. So, you know, personally I've seen how it, it affected people because at the end of the day, you don't pull out the troops until you make sure everybody's out who wants to be out, you know? Um, Right. And with that, and then, I mean, with, with the things like the wars and, and the Ukraine, it's hard for me because on one side you, you do have like the veteran side of me. And then on the other side, you have the activist side of me. And to me spending, you know, billions of money giving it to Ukraine when like we don't have free lunch program, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, it just, I I understand and I think you should help your brother and sister out whenever they need help and things like that. And if you're there and you're able to lend a hand, then do that. But 
we have so many things that we could focus on and and use the money for here in our own country that we just don't that we can't afford that we can't afford that, that we just put. don't spend it on but they and we send, spend send it fucking on, billions yeah defense spending and we you know sending it off to ukraine and it's like we have you know roads and infrastructure and different things to you know do like that build a high speed rail or something you know but spend money wherever yeah, you want just not here not, <laughs> not in your own country right. <laughs> yeah it's it's tough i was watching a news report about it today about the fact that like we have no tracking program for the weapons that we're selling to ukraine and there's like a black market weapons or like a you know weapons black market thing that's that's formed there because there's just no like you know by all means if if we need to help you know give them weapons and stuff then great but like we should at least like are you giving them know where the weapons are right yeah no i mean that's perfectly reasonable but (laughs) i don't know that's such a it's such a tough one to talk about because on the one hand like you know all the respect in the world for like those people fighting for their country but at the same time it's like are we helping them or are we writing checks to Lockheed Martin? Yeah. You know, yeah. is that how we're helping them is by like just funneling money to, uh, you know, defense contractors and things like that. And is that being spent wisely and stuff? Right. And you can't and help but notice like over there. I mean, if you're going to ship guns over there. It's not like Russia's like not going to, they're not going to just be surprised when Ukrainians show up with, more weapons they're gonna be like yeah we know we know that's there and we're going to respond accordingly and it's just i i'm not sure i don't know what god america's role in the fucking (laughs) world is is like it's weird like what i mean we meddle in everything and that's always a problem and now this it's we've had like a shift where people want that but like it's hard to know in such a horrible fucked up situation it's hard to know what's helping and what's what's right, right like right it's a lot of people who think just, we should be trying yeah. to broker a peace deal but yeah john Dalton literally giggled today during a cable news interview about how he planned coups and it takes yeah. a lot of brain power oh god <laughs> if there's a hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, oh. all right so technical difficulties averted um but what I was saying is, like, I would vote for John Bolton's mustache as long as it's not attached to John Bolton's body and head. <laughs> okay, just a floating. It, it kind of looks like um, it kind of looks like one of the brooms from that Fantasia uh, piece with what, Mickey what the, the magician. Is that what's going on? What, <laughs> it looks like the stool on Beauty and the Beast. What'd you do with yeah. it? <laughs> the stool. There was like a stool that oh, was a dog. Oh, a little stool, a little puppy thing. <laughs> Hot, what yeah. was his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. All I right. would watch that movie. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to bring this. I'm changing directions on you, Casey. I know you were really excited to keep talking about mustaches because you're just so fucking mad that you can't. Horny for them. You can't grow one. And it makes you upset. And you, you want what you, you always want what you can't have. Exactly. Um, okay. So Amber, I don't actually, I know you've had like a lot of changes in the directions that you've gone over the past few years. What are you act? What are you doing now? Like as far as 
Are, are you you mentioned being on a panel of some sort, but I don't know the specifics of that panel. Uh, so let's just let's start there. <laughs> it it is a um, forum the congressman um, Matt Cartwright, and it is to pick nominees who are going to the different military academies. So this okay. past year, I, it was my second year being able to do that. So basically, you get a binder of the best and the brightest um, in our area who are trying to go to any one of these schools. And basically, I get to look, read over their files and then interview them. Um, and then we kind of get together as a group and, and, and pick who's going where. That's cool. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. So I, I'm super honored to be a part of it and stuff. And I was the only black person on the panel when I got on there. So figured really? that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I don't know if you have the numbers on it, but you know, if, uh, <laughs> white kids are making it into these schools disproportionately. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know exact <laughs> numbers on it, but it's um, we as far as especially as locally, like I, I would love to get more diverse candidates, so like more mm-hmm. women and more minorities. I'm not sure how to go about that or like where to start with that, um, you know, but. I think that more kids would be involved maybe if they didn't knew about it more because a lot of these kids are cut from the same cloth. You know what I mean? Like you have police officers, kids, or, you know, you know, my uncle's a judge or whatever, like kids who are kind of in that same vein, I guess, if that kind of makes sense. But um, cross players. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so like, how do you, you know, how do we reach other, other kids with that and everything? And, um, so I'm, I'm trying to finish up my master's degree in social work. So I'm also trying to do that. I took a break right now for the summer because Jacqueline was out of school. I have a five-year-old. So we've been home and um, she's been going to camp a little here and there. So she likes art. Um, so been doing that. I'm the commander of my American Legion. So been doing, I had to cut the grass today. So doing some fun <laughs> on that one. Um, but that is that's my heart and soul. And we've really been able to take it from almost closing when I took over to, you know, becoming a thriving business. So, so I don't know much about what the American Legion does at all. Uh, I feel like I've seen their uh, halls rented out for events. Maybe metal that's shows. I, I've been, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've definitely been to a few metal shows at American Legions. Uh but I don't know what their purpose is, what the whole organization, how it functions, and what its deal is. Could, it's basically a it's a that. it's an old school veterans organization, um, and there I think there's about a hundred thousand different American legions across the country and different things like that. Um, basically, it's it's to co- like minds to come together. So you're with other fellow veterans, and you have that camaraderie, that community. And, you know, it's a, a social, it can be a social member so people can join socially, um, but it's mostly veterans there. Um, so you have a lot of, now you're kind of ending the World War II veterans. Um, you have a lot of Vietnam, Korea veterans and stuff like that. Um, we're having the, the American Legion and the VFW are also having a hard time, you know, getting younger veterans from OEF and OIF, from Afghanistan, from um, Iraq and stuff like that. So trying to get younger, more diverse veterans to be able to come in and and want to be a part of of an organization. 
it's just the organization does is that how you've gotten involved in some of your activism for veterans is being the commander of your american legion kind of put you in a position to do that or is that just no i was your awareness of the issues i was already involved in all of that before i just took over in january so okay. this is a this is new for me. So I've actually been using my um, contacts and stuff from other organizations to kind of try to help bring our organization together and um, um, put together some things and did like my first big Memorial Day parade. We had a beast feast, so we have a pig oh, roast sweet. coming up. So you know, we're I've always wanted to go to one of those. So. <laughs> you get like fun. a bunch of different meats. Sorry to our vegan listeners yes, or whatever. Yes. But. <laughs> a whole bunch of different meats um one of my members i was telling him about i'm from the country y'all okay so but um was telling him that my mom is fighting with the groundhog in her yard and i want to shoot it and they're like oh well be careful when you shoot it can you know groundhogs are good eating and i was like i just knew <laughs> that somehow this conversation was going to like eat a groundhog and so they're like oh yeah no it's real good like they're like groundhogs are vegan so like they just munch around and eat all that good stuff, and he was like, you know, when you when you get it, you got to make sure you don't 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 rupture the sacks, you know. And I'm just envisioning this, is, and it's oh. so gross. I don't know, like, <laughs> and I mean, and there's like five people now involved in the conversation. Like, there's like old vets Everyone from everywhere coming in. For real? Oh, did you say? Did you mention? Did I just do something about eating? And then hook? somebody somebody mentions like a beaver, and they're like, oh man, yeah. Uh, beaver's good, like beaver tail soup, and you know how you eat a beaver and how you gotta get. And I'm all, I'm just sitting there like, and then somebody comes in and he's like, oh yeah, I would not be able to sit there through that conversation with a straight face. We had beaver at the beast feast, and I was like, I remember when we had beaver at the beast. Do I remember? (laughs) Beaver was big back in like the uh, frontier days because the uh, like trappers and stuff apparently like they had such a low fat diet. (laughs) Like if you're eating rabbits and stuff, there's not yeah. a lot of fat content there. And like you need that or you're going to waste away. And uh, beaver tails are all fat. So apparently they would like roast beaver tails over the fire. And it was kind of like a delicacy. Uh, I think it's one of those things where like if you're deficient in something, you sort of crave it. So people loved them. Is that... um? Is that what is that what Trump was trying to get back to when he said "Make America Great Again"? Yeah, <laughs> that, beaver tail roast. Sweet. <laughs> we used to have like wild game suppers at my church in Georgia when I was a little kid, oh, and I remember goodness. it was just like fifty crock pots full of weird simmering white goop. <laughs> oh, Dude, at least with ours, had... a lot of it is like. Um, cut like oven roasted or like grilled mm. and stuff so it's more like i mean i'm not really eating most of it, i've <laughs> i don't i've had so little outside of like chicken beef and pork i'm i i've barely had anything so i feel like i always i always want to go to one of those like especially because i uh there's some around here that'll do them and usually it's at like gun clubs which i don't really fit in with gun clubs <laughs> uh <laughs> It's a weird I mean, place look, for me. If, if I can fit into my to my <laughs> legion, I mean, it's literally like imagine your most like redneck Trump supporter looking guy, veteran, you know, and then me, you know, black, big glasses, always overdressed for no reason, you know, like <laughs> nose ring tattoos all over, you know, rolling in. 
going, you know, yelling at people and stuff. So it's it's Katie really Pat's funny because <laughs> I don't like. I really don't look like I'd fit in at all there. <laughs> I think that's what's super cool about it. Uh, and it is getting a diverse group of people having that bond and having that bring people together. But it probably like, we've kind of um, we've made it like a badge of honor to like cut people out of your life who don't agree with you or think like you. And I don't know, we've done each other. I think we've just done a big disservice and deepened the divide by being unable to have productive conversations. And I'm not entirely guilty of uh, not guilty of that. Like sometimes conversations are difficult, but just to have like have spaces like that. I think that was what was always kind of cool about music. The music scene too was just like, yeah, you could you'd meet people who were different. Like you, you had that and they all, you all looked like doofuses with hair swoops and shit. <laughs> like outside of that, like it, it would vary. And it, I feel like we lose that the older we get. So to, to kind of stay active in, in a group where it's not just so homogenous. That's why yeah. church has gone so fucking sour. Yeah, you like, got to try to really get out of your out of your bubble and try to be around diverse people and different ways of thinking. And sometimes it's hard. And I mean, I think there's things that you Certainly. can disagree on and there's things that you can't disagree on, you know, but I still mm-hmm. have best friends who voted for Trump and who are Republicans and conservatives and you know and i have best friends who are super liberal you know um my best friend since i was four years old is still a uh, evangelical christian you know not not a crazy person but like you know she still actively goes to church and is involved in things like that and like we talk about everything you know from the kardashians to abortion and if we can you know find common ground and and i think the biggest thing is just having empathy for other people and putting yourself in other people's positions and realizing like you, you can't expect yourself from other people. So you can't expect other people to react how you would react and you can't force them to react how you would react. So in that, if you take yourself kind of out of the equation and you give people room to have a different opinion and, and room to have, have empathy for them and kind of see them see it from their different eyes. Like you may not agree and I may not have made that decision, but I can see why, somebody else would in that situation and I, I think that really can help you know because you have to care about people at, in some sense to kind of understand where they're coming from and you have to care about That's people who don't huge. believe like you like right there are people hurting in this world that don't believe like you and you can you can say that people in the rust belt are voting against their best interests because right. they voted for trump that doesn't right. mean they deserve any shit right. they get from that like you can it, and i think even you talking about your friend and having those differences of opinion is like kind of calling back to my little rant earlier on where it's like you, there's a lot of people. It's like, it kind of has to do with your own mindset. Like, are you out there to, are you out there because you want to change somebody's mind or are you just building relationships with people? Because if you're, if you're just trying to change someone's mind, those people, no one's ever going to trust you because you're disingenuous and you're not really caring about someone's life or investing into their life based on their humanity and who they are and what they, what you think they deserve just for existing in this world. And I, right. I, that's what I think is so frustrating is like, I, I think it's reasonable to not have the, certain conversations with certain people. I think yes. it's, I think that's the right thing to do in a lot of situations. So I, I'm not trying to like prescribe anything carte blanche, but it's like the goal. I don't, I don't 
believe at this point in my life that the goal of your relationships with anybody should be so you can change their mind because that's not a real relationship. Yeah. I think it's that, difficult. It's like getting witnessed to by a stranger. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's You're just like, yeah. get out of here, man. And it doesn't mean it's not hard to be in relationship with people who don't think the same. Like that is, that can be challenging. And if you have enough history and understanding and trust and safety, like you can have those conversations and you can really get in the weeds in it and you're never going to like be yeah. bothered by it. But and you can't do that with maybe some rando at the American Legion, but you there's different levels, uh, I guess, of relationship with different people, and and it's just not like okay, it's not like I'm not going to talk about this anymore. You should have to like I I really do think that sometimes if you already know somebody's opinion on something, why am I going to try to argue? Let them think whatever they want. Like I, it's just not worth it. Sometimes it's not right. It's not, if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer. But if not, it's kind of like, okay, you know, so what? Right. I know what, like, I already I, know how they think and feel like, well, I'm not going to let it change my life or bother me. Yeah. Like I had a recent, I might've even mentioned this. Uh, it was a little while ago now, but um, my dad and I don't see eye eye on much. And we've had some good conversations and we've had some really bad conversations about it where it just got hostile and it's whatever. And then it, it smooths over and that's, that's life and that's family. But I, like, I, I was like, he, something came up about schools, like school systems, how the school, the way schools work. And he had an idea about like what he thought the problem was with schools. And I was like, well, I think it's a little different than that because of how this, you know, school hierarchy, school boards, taxes, I, there's so much going into how a school functions that it's hard to blame one thing. Um, and if I just was like, decided one day that I wanted to have a conversation about why I think he's wrong about schools. Like that would have been such a waste of time, but like he brought it up. He was curious. We were both in like the right headspace for it. So it was like a good productive conversation. And you know, there are some things that we saw eye to eye on and other things we didn't, but it, and you have to be able to challenge challenge what you believe and be able to defend it. And I think sometimes yeah. in talking to people who don't believe what you believe, you really sometimes stand there and go, do I really believe this? Or yeah. is this how I really want to, like, is this your how I want to phrase it? Or is this the way I really think? And it kind of can enlighten you a little bit. So I definitely think it's important to talk to people and engage for different things because it can, it can change your mind. You can learn something about yourself that, that you didn't even know. Definitely. It's like it's rapport, you know, yeah. like in sales, you might get somebody to buy something, but like to to change the way they 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 do business, you know, in a way that benefits the both of you. Like you've got to have rapport with that. People don't trust those decisions to people that they don't know or they don't understand, you know, like they need a sense of your values and they need a sense of like your your thought process and stuff before they're willing to even entertain the ideas that you're proposing. And there's no shortcut for that. Like that is all built on like time spent with people. And so like, I think that's, that is kind of core to all that is if you haven't spent the time with somebody and you're not going to spend the time with somebody, like you don't have the rapport it's not worth it to have that conversation yeah. with them. Like you haven't invested in that person, so you shouldn't try to jump to that. Why that get point. yourself all frustrated? Right. Yeah. It's not good it's for a, either that's one. That's about of you. the that those things are about the people 
who are saying the things. It's like they get to, you know, go to Twitter or Facebook later and be like, oh, I just totally gave this person the business. God. It's like, that's all it is. It's just like public masturbation. It's like, God, that should be a crime. Speaking of which, okay. Um, Speaking of public so, masturbation, I don't. Yes, in a confession way. Confession time with Casey. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, there's, I, I feel like conservatives especially make a, a big spectacle of their love and respect and support of veterans. And usually that comes in the form of like a handshake and a thank you for your service and sort of thing like that. And, you know, that makes them feel good. Maybe in some cases it makes the person receiving it feel good. What what is what does the veteran community like need from everybody else? Like what is meaningful that other that people can actually do for the veteran community? That's not just about like making me feel good about things, but what what can we do that's helpful for veterans? Stop making veterans <laughs> would be helpful. <laughs> um, and I think I don't think they should have once you. After you serve your country, things should just be easier and more accessible to people um, and simpler and maybe not as mm-hmm. complicated. Um, and I think that, like we were talking about people just being in different situations and stuff, like there's veterans in all different situations who maybe don't have access to doing different things and you know, doing appointments over the phone or doing appointments online or scheduling and different things or whatnot. And, you know, how do we make things accessible for them and reasonable for them to be able to use it and, you know, change the stigma of, of mental health with it. There was a lot of suicides this past year and um, there were some major events on, on the aircraft carrier and different things. And it's like, we're obviously not supporting people the way they needed to be supported, you know, and taking care of people after, after they're finished. And it's, it's hard. And I don't know all the right answers as far as the big picture overall, but you know, in your community, just get involved with the American Legion and the VFW, any local veterans organizations where you can donate clothes and hygiene products and different things like that. Um, and go there and get to know vets and, and talk to them and become their friends and hang out with them and, and learn your history and, and learn things that are soon going to be forgotten. You know, but I think that there's a lot that we can do just on a personal level just to help people. Um, There's a lot of older vets that live in veterans hospitals and different things that don't have any family and people coming to visit them and doing different things. So whether it's, you know, knitting blankets or taking food or different things, I know that I talked to um, a woman that worked in congressman matt cartwright's office about getting like minority and ethnic hair products for veterans who are staying in the hospital because they don't have that they don't have like oil for your hair like a scarf or like lotion that actually works and doesn't you know make you more ashy um shampoo and different things like you know and things for you know female veterans that are there they're different hair products and different things like that but um those things are important and then just 
I mean, on the bigger scale of it, it's there's so many veterans out there who just don't have access to care due to where they live. And maybe they live in the middle of nowhere. Or they live in a medical desert where there's just not any hospitals or different things around. So the closing of clinics and hospitals, you know, that affects veterans as well. Um, you know, maternal health care, that affects veterans as well. A lot of um, female veterans are single parents. So accessible child care and affordable child care. Um, when I got out of the military, I had my daughter, I was trying to go to school, you know, and I was paying $650 a month for her to go to preschool and stuff so I could go to school, you know. And I remember like trying to add it up one day to if I got a job on the weekends and got like her a sitter or something. And I think I, I would be like negative $12 a month you know, to afford oh. the childcare to like try oh to work God, or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, my school had a daycare on campus. So it was accessible for me to be able to nurse and run the class and, and do all those kind of things. But every campus doesn't have that. And um, a lot of the, one of the barriers to female veterans going to college and using, getting their degree after returning from the military is, due to being a single parent and having their child and things like that and not having affordable child care and different things. So, so many things that are just American issues too um, get kind of amplified on the veteran level because we're not a, a, you know, a huge, huge part of the population and things, but there's definitely a lot of things that you can do and veterans can always use a raise. So if you ever want to write your congressman or senator, you know, and talk about that um, and, you know, advocate for better health care and mental health care for veterans when they get out um yeah so that they have that and yeah are able to to kind of access it you know we especially during covid like for me personally my vet stopped allowing having kids there so now i wasn't able to take my daughter with me if i needed to go to appointments and things like that and that really put a bummer in me because I needed to, you know, I had stuff I needed to do. I needed to go to the doctor and different things. And yeah. I can't go now because I have a five-year-old. Um, so, you know, there's still issues that are going on that veterans are facing every day that, you know, people could help with. <laughs> That's so much. It's, I, And I think it's just <laughs> worth noting. I know there's people all over the map on their beliefs and ideology about you know, uh, Americans, America's involvement in all sorts of things across the world. There's conscientious objectors, there's pacifists, there's people who have plenty of thoughts about it. But I think most people, it, it's like, if you do that, if you, if you serve the country, if you sign up for any branch of the military and they just fuck you over afterwards, the richest country in the world, yeah. one with so many resources, it's like, it's just, it's a fucking tragedy. It's not, it doesn't, it, it seems so sad and unfair. And it's, especially with what happened. Like, I mean, if you see, active, so contrary to the rhetoric and you yeah. see combat it like that changes you, that changes your brain forever. And like, it should be simpler. Sorry. If you've watched some of the, if you've seen some of the things that some people have seen, like keeping a schedule might just be something that's a little complicated when you get out. And it's like, God, the fact that they don't make it simpler is it, it really is a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like it's easier now to do 
like I've done my benefits online and added to them and had to get medical records and different things. But I had a vet call, um, daughter call me asking for help and she got a letter in the mail. But when I explained to her how to do it on the computer, she was like, oh, I think I could probably do that, figure it out, you know. But from what she read to me in the mail, it was so much more complicated and like I was and I had done it twice. And I was like, I never had to do any of that. So I don't know where you're getting that. And she's like, no, this is what it says. I'm reading it. But just the fact of that was so much more complicated. And I know that they made it easier and accessible for people like me and people like her who can just go on her phone and be able to do it. But for him, like he, he, if she wasn't there, he wouldn't have been able to do it. So what about those people? You know, what, what do those people do? It's wild how many issues there are. I feel like on every topic, every subject, there's like so many there's so many problems. Well, you can talk about healthcare. You can talk about childcare. You can talk about public education. You could talk, like there isn't one thing to, that you could talk about that isn't like just filled with problems, and that right. some people are passionate about more than others. But it's like it's almost it's exhausting. <laughs> it just keeps you. It's like exhausting. It You're like, how do how do, you get how do you fix any of this? And now we just <laughs> it, it feels more and more like we have a government that doesn't value the will of their constituents uh that doesn't even really function as a democracy in the way that money buys things and you're like so i don't know it's just it's frustrating i last well by the time this comes out it'll be a few weeks back i guess but i feel like i'm going on more hopeless rants lately about where things are at so politically speaking before we get out of here i know we've been going for a little while like it's like i'm not i don't think it's a lost cause yet uh to to like try to like get involved in things politically. And I I, hearing from you on, you know, some of the grassroots things, like in the way that you've outside of politics, just like, I see a need here. I'm going to fucking do something about it because I believe this is the right thing to do. I, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that we need, but those are the kind of people that we need. And I, I, so that's been really cool to hear those stories from you getting involved in politics on a local level at a grassroots level, like, there's stuff people can do everywhere. And I don't know if you like have just a small bit of advice for how people can actually make their voice heard and their money count or their, it's hard to feel like a vote counts all the time, but I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Um, I definitely would say getting people registered for vote. So you can go to um, like anything for voter registration online. And, and I mean, I have people who, have ordered voter registration applications or just received them and were able to go and give them out to people, you'd be surprised the amount of people who actually still aren't registered to vote. And there's always people who are turning 18 years old. So you can always, you know, work with that. So right now we have... And tell them um, you'll buy them weed if they vote for whoever you right. want them to vote for. Like you so. have Get Out the Vote. Um, what is it? GetOutTheVote.org where it, you know, it helps and you can search your local area and things like that. You can also help people get to um, ride to the polls. You can also volunteer at your polls to help. You can pass out water. You can do different things like that. Um, You can, whatever way you swing, you can get involved with your local politicians and organizations. Um, Check on Facebook is honestly the best place 
and see what different groups and stuff are actually in in your area in your neighborhood like what are the local organizations and groups doing um my where i live in scranton there's different neighborhood associations so getting involved with you know your neighborhood association what are the people who are your neighbors and things in the community doing go to your city council meetings you know talk to them ask them questions you know be annoying fly on a wall in there where you're there asking what's going on and what's happening with this go to your school board meetings you know, find out what that's is going one. on in, in in your local schools and things like that. Those are things that you can just kind of just do on your own, just to get involved. And again, you'll be surprised how many times they're going to say, "Hey, we need parents to be on the PTA. We need people to be on the school board. We need people who want to, you know, hold these little yeah. local offices in their communities. And there's vacancies and there's openings for things that are going on." And you can just kind of find your way into those situations and work with that. If you're a student and you're in college, obviously on college campuses, there's a lot of get out the vote going on and and different Mm -hmm. drives. Um, There's we have. So on a local level, why it's important, like we have different petitions going around right now. Those are normally like the question that's on your ballot. So it would have some weird question that would say, and, you know, 38B or whatever, do you approve of this happening or that happening? And so a lot of people don't know what those different things are, but it could be like ours is we're getting signatures so that we can get rid of solitary confinement in Lackawanna County. So that's something that you could petition for in your area. Like people here petition to um, one of our city councilwomen, she was able to put make it illegal for conversion therapy in Lackawanna. Doesn't seem like a huge deal, you know, because it's a small area, but it's a big win, you know, because you never know what's happening. And all that took was, you know, one person to come and say, hey, we're, I'm going to, you know, write legislation that's going to support this in, in my local area. And those things really, really do count and, and they, do, they do matter. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's like, obviously there's stuff people can do. I feel like it feels so like, uh, it just feels like so out of reach. Our political system feels like something that's it's just totally different from actual real life. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. And I think even you talking about regular people being able to write legislation and I mean, just finding ways, there's so many ways to get involved. A lot of people don't want to add anything else to their schedule. And yeah. even though they're like, oh, I don't know if voting really helps. It might not always but if you're gonna do nothing that's literally the only fucking thing you can do yeah. so just fucking but it do helps it. on it helps on a local level especially yeah. when i mean you have people who are winning by like 10 votes you know local yeah. so <laughs> those things matter like who your you know who your sheriff is matters who's your coroner those things matter who's your mayor matters in your area so who are your judges? Like, who are the local judges in your area? Yeah, you know, yeah. Your area has a lot of issues with, say, police brutality and, you know, race, sh- racial shootings and hate crimes and stuff like that. Look at who the judges are in your area. Look at people who are um, running the police force and people who, who works in your coroner's office. Like, who are all of these people that all have a say locally in what's going on? And, you know, who's your DA? Who's your ADA? A lot of times those seats get ran unopposed just for years. And until something happens, you know, 
a person just going to keep winning? Because nobody ever says anything if everything's kind of just, you know, teetering along. But all of those things are open and up for election and a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm not saying you don't have to be qualified for it, but if Donald Trump told us anything, you do not have to be qualified for it. So, like, there's coroners. Who are people are not, there's coroners people are who are not doctors. Qualified all the time. So, well, you know, Sarah Palin could see Russia from her house. So, you know, do whatever you have to do, but don't feel like you have to reach a certain level to try to get somewhere to be able to do something. And that's something that I battle with, you know, all the time, the imposter syndrome of, but, you know, you're going to be the youngest person in the room. Sometimes you're going to be the only girl in a room. You're going to be the only black person in the room. You're going to be the only gay in a room, you know, and you just have to kind of be willing to step out and, and take that chance. But, and once you do that and other people see it, and then they start, you know, recognizing that. And then they start asking you your opinion on things. And and where can they donate money? Where can they help? When people start seeing action that you're taking locally in your area, whatever that is, people who do have money and have time will want to reach out to you and offer the things that they can. You know, when I, like I said, when I was driving people to the polls, there are people who couldn't help me physically but donated money in a vehicle and and wet wipes and hand sanitizer and all that stuff so that you were able to kind of reach the goal that you were trying to do. And it can be, you know, I'm out here doing it and I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm just a girl from Scranton, you know. I watch every guy like every day. So I'm not anything kind of special, but it's just, you know, I, I like social media and I found a way to be able to, use my influence on there to garner attention for things for what I want and, and be vocal about things. And so, yeah, hit me up yeah. on Instagram. Um, Amber underscore yeah. underscore Viola. Um, You're a fun website, follow on Instagram too. You're always doing shit. I <laughs> love it. Website is AmberViola.com and Facebook is AmberViola. <laughs> so the next time you meet with a, uh, a senator, can you – I'm just curious. Can you ask them where they keep the children in between rituals? <laughs> the next time it could be Oz. That'll be the next. I was maybe. looking when I was looking around the governor's mansion. I was seeing if there's any like, you know, basements. Good shit to steal. No. <laughs> Ooh, I like that painting. I'll take that. They had he had great artwork in there though, honestly. And the food yeah, was really I'm good. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Best money can buy. Right, right. Best other Even people's like money the, can buy. The silverware <laughs> was like engraved with every. So I guess for those of you listening, I was able to go to the governor's residence in Harrisburg for a luncheon on his Juneteenth luncheon. So he invited um, black activists from Pennsylvania to come and to have lunch with him at his house. So it was super hoity-toity and fancy. And I ate everything I could. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Amber, Amber it's been great fun. talking to you again. Thank you for uh, for coming back on. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. It won't be the last, and hopefully uh, next time it will be because you are promoting a campaign. That's your, <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's, this is, this is a good to announce your presidential run, you know? Oh, my. Uh, yes. <laughs> On growing up Christian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Buy Dogecoin and vote for Amber Viola. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time.